Welcome to Kilgallen's Pub, the podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallen, like to sit back, have some drinks with people, and recreate that bar conversation we all know and love. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Kilgallen's Pub, also on Twitter at Kilgallen's Pub. Follow me at Joe Kilgallen on all the platforms, especially on YouTube. Subscribe to that YouTube. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of my special Can't Complain are now available. And um, it'll, you know, you'll see a bunch of other stuff. I post clips from the podcast. I do full podcast episodes, a shitload of stand-up. So you can subscribe there. I really appreciate that. It seems to be doing well. Getting a lot of good comments, uh, which is shocking because you never know with, with YouTube. But like 95% of the comments have been really good. Yeah. I got this oral sex joke that's kind of been blowing up. If you go to my channel, there's an oral sex joke that's featured, and that went from like 10,000 views to 130,000 views in like two Holy weeks. Holy shit. And that kid's got 130,000 right now, and I'd say like 98%. That's an older clip too, right? I put it up. It's an older joke, but as a clip, I only put it up about four months ago. Wow. Because in 2019, I was like, I got to get my YouTube going. This yeah. is insane that I haven't done that. But anyway, I'm very excited for today's podcast. A returning guest who uh, is by himself this time. He doesn't have the baggage of carrying Sarah Perry like he did uh, the first time he did the podcast. <laughs> Sarah's been on the podcast. People like her, so I could give her some shit. Uh, Brian Morton's back. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. This Dude, is great. This I'm is my first time in the studio. I mean, the studio is amazing. Thanks, That's right. Man. It is your first time here at the People of Comedy Network yeah. Studios uh, run by our man James Webb. What's up, James? What up, everybody? Uh, sorry to everyone. I forgot this. Sorry, Brian. I got to do a little bit more of my intro here. Sorry to everyone for not having a podcast last week. That was on me. There was some screw up um, on my end, and I was just. We're gonna make up for you. I'm we're gonna do a pod a week where I release two uh, Patreon subscribers. I did upload some stuff to that, so subscribe to the Patreon for some. There's bonus material with uh, Toby McMullen, Eric Nicole Clark podcast i've had to take down for various reasons some legal uh they're on there they are on there damn it so check that out and uh thanks to the people who've been subscribing so far anyhow uh dude i did a really silly thing that i think you guys will get a kick out of and uh brian is on for just because i like talking to this guy about comedy and mma and uh he's got a new job we're talking about his his uh, the new direction his career is going in, so that's gonna be fun but i did a you ever do something so such fucking like so juvenile that you just can't, it's, you're, it's been two days and I'm still laughing really hard about it. Here's what I did. Sunday night I had a show. After the show, Jonah Jerkins, who you're, you know, and James, of course, knows, mm. and our listeners know, he's been on the podcast about Great four or five times. Great producer, that Jonah Jerkins. <laughs> yes, he's a member of the Communities You Should Know um, team. Uh, funny dude. He uh, likes to have these things, uh, barbecues, but he calls them bro-bicues. Right. He's just the quintessential bro. Right. And it's a sweet setup. He's got this big back deck. He brings his TV out on the deck and has it hanging up. Like he really and oh, he actually, that's new. yeah, it's new, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's got barbecue and like these like letters, <laughs> like that like light up on the TV. No, like on the side, oh, he like hammered hilarious. them into the wall. Like he really goes out, and he's a great cook. He like yeah, does yeah, it up yeah. right. He's, he's a really good cook. Yeah. So right afterwards, I'm like, I got to stop in over there and see. I missed the end of SummerSlam, but bummer. Uh, we're fucking around. It's just a small group of us, like five or six, and uh, all comedians. And he's walking his girlfriend to her car, and while that happens, the lights went out. Because I guess he had like a timer from when he hangs out there during the week. They went out like 11 or something like that. And we're like, oh, shit, how do we get the lights back on? Because we're sitting here in the dark. And I had a mini piece of corn on the cob. And I look off the balcony, and I see Jonah helping his girlfriend put her bike into the trunk. And I said to the comics, I go, hey, dude, should I, should I fucking nail him with this piece of corn on the cob? And every one of them, without hesitation, was like, yeah, absolutely, of course. <laughs> so I stood up, like not even a full stand, because I was in a seat. I was comfortable. And I just fucking winged it. Nail I had some good MPHs on it. It's some zip. Blast him in the arm. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Everyone all laughing our ass off having a good time, you know. He comes back up, not even mad about it. He thought it was more funny than anything. And um, <laughs> um, I'm leaving like an hour and a half later. As I'm leaving, I go down the stairs. I see the corn on the street. So they're all up there. I say goodbye to everybody. It's like, you know, two hours later. 
and I grabbed the Welcome corn and I fired it back <laughs> up to the balcony. And all of a sudden, I just hear psh, like a bunch of stuff get knocked down, and all. And then I hear laughter. I hear insane laughter, and I just start running away as they look up and see me. And I'm doing this like ah, like Dude, that's you know, so funny, so juvenile. <laughs> I was crying with laughter on the way home because I texted Jonah going, "Hey man, what did I knock over?" And uh, he goes, oddly enough, the deck of cards, which is funny because I was doing card tricks and I left the deck there and it just went everywhere. But you know a lot of card tricks. I know a couple. Yeah. I can do a one handed <laughs> deck, a one handed <laughs> cut. I could hold the deck with one hand and do a cut. Did you do magic as a kid or something? No, you know what? I had a boring job when I was in high school working for the Cook County Board of Pension. Okay. And um, sounds very even, even the description is boring. Yeah, right. I was like a file clerk. I would have to attach new files to old files because this is like when computers weren't. No, computers were things. It was 2004, 2005, but they were slow on some stuff. You know, right. it's a government job. Yeah, of course. And uh, I mean, it was a sweet gig for a 17 year old, but it was boring. So I would fuck around with a deck of cards. That sounds like the a job a comic would get during the day because the it's the only day job they could get. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was a hookup job. Good old Uncle Mark hooking me up. But uh, I just had a deck of cards, so I learned some tricks. And um, I think I went to Barnes and Noble and got a book. <laughs> I think there was a book that taught me a couple. Like just like I can't even do half of them anymore just because I forgot. I was yeah. doing the one trick to him, and I go, "Bam, that's your card." He's like, "It's not." I'm like, "What?" Oh, <laughs> Embarrassing. <You're all> rusty. <laughs> but dude, I just can't stop laughing about it. And there's something fun about being 34. And just being a juvenile great. delinquent. Yeah, it's great. Throwing corn on the cob. I rode a fucking scooter here. so I You did? It. Yeah. <laughs> I completely understand. And I, a big I, thanks to Brian. He brought us a new bottle of whiskey. This is Jameson Irish Whiskey Cask Mates. They don't sponsor your podcast. I feel like you shouldn't even. I don't, but who knows? Maybe if we show them this, they might give us a free bottle. IPA edition. And I'm not the biggest fan of IPAs as a beer. But this is really good. Yeah, it's, it's got like smooth. a soft aftertaste. Yeah. Which is nice. I don't usually drink whiskey, and this is nice. Yeah. It feels good, right? Mm hmm I was watching, um, I was bullshitting around on TV yesterday. You guys, uh, Batman Begins. Yeah, baby. Great movie. Dark Knight, it's called the Dark Knight Trilogy, though. Right. Yeah. Which is rare, because usually it's it's called after the first movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. The Dark Knight Trilogy sounds better than, you can't call it the Batman Begins Trilogy. Is that based off, like, a, the comic book, though, probably? Yeah, the comic book series was called the Dark Knight, right? right. Yeah. That's so. what the Nolan Brothers used their thing on. Are you guys like me when you watch a movie you haven't seen in a while, you have to Wikipedia the shit out of it? Sometimes so I do yeah. that. I don't. I, what are you looking for? Here's number one. There, uh, there's a character in Batman Begins. The character's name is Little Boy. Has a few lines. Oh, uh, that's uh, Joffrey. From yep, Game that's of Thrones. Joffrey Baratheon from yeah. Game of Thrones. And it made me think to myself, wow, this movie was shot in Chicago, and I know he's an Irish actor. Mm. So I looked it up, going, did they do auditions in Dublin, or did the kid move over here? <laughs> but no, the Nolan brothers, I think, do some work in the UK. So they're like, they, over. they know the UK actors and who's good. So they're like, oh, we like this little kid. I watched the third one recently with Bane. Great movie. It, dude, no, it's not a great movie. It's <laughs> not? <laughs> what? <laughs> because I love all three of them. Listen, I get mad when people don't like the third one. It's, it's good. It's a good movie. But... There's like this guy breaks his back and then within like two weeks he's fighting Bane. It makes no sense. No, to it me. implies that it's four months. It's not two weeks. It's it implies that it's a while. Four months. You break. You break soon. your fucking back. I know. Dude, yeah, and yeah, then you come back and you fight months. somebody. Come on, <laughs> dude. He's exceptional. He's Bruce fucking Wayne, dude. You don't have that billionaire DNA, man. You know billionaires heal faster than the rest That's of us. That's true. They, get, <laughs> they can go get regenerative and shit overseas. Yeah, dude, <laughs> he's getting his that his blood recirculated in Germany or whatever. Yeah, stem cells and shit. Yeah, yeah dude. He's taking like deer Gibson. antler spray and all that other stuff. Remember when Ray Lewis, who was a, a murderer, who's the linebacker yeah, for the Ravens? I, I do remember when he murdered somebody. Yeah. Well, he was out for that whole. Yeah, you remember that too. Yeah. 
he was out for that one whole season because his tricep muscle came off the bone, which is also really red flag to you've been doing some crazy juicing or something in the right. past. Comes back for the Super Bowl, and then Sports Illustrated releases an article saying, we believe he's linked to this one lab, and their specialty is deer antler spray. Mm. Because deer antlers is the fastest growing like organism or fastest growing whatever on the planet Earth. Okay. Like a deer's antlers grow, and they're strong as fuck, obviously. It's like wood that grows out of a, a being. Right. Um, and I remember just thinking, like, how the fuck are they, like, and then just, and then they won the Super Bowl. Ray Lewis is a champion. The whole the NFL swept the whole thing under the rug. Right, of course. Of course, because they swipe. F- Did you see today? I, I saw that Jay Z is he signed with the NFL, and Jay Z and Rock Nation are going to work with the NFL. Yeah, it just came up. You, maybe you can look it up. They, uh, I don't know exactly what the what the deal is, but I'm sure they need him right now, especially for their image. It's going to be huge. But that is absolutely a signing. Don't get me wrong, Jay Z is great at what he does, but that is a signing that says, "Hey, while you're mad about Kaepernick over here." Jay-Z and Beyonce over here. Right. That's a misdirection type of thing that a lot of corporations do. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it'll be, I, I don't know. It'll it's a good. smart move on their Especially end. Especially for Jay-Z. I mean, I'm sure they're paying him a lot of fucking money. Is he guy. worth a billion yet? I think, oh, yeah. I think so. Is he past yeah. a billion? I think like yeah, yeah. even like his artwork alone, he has like a crazy art collection that's worth like $50 million or more. I came across an article, and this is funny because I do mention Kirk Cobain a lot on this podcast, but I came across something about him. He's got tons of artwork that I guess Courtney Love is just waiting to sell one day that people think will get... Yeah, massive amounts of millions. Well, didn't he lose a bunch? There was like a lot that got lost in like a uh, storage unit or something. Yeah, something that got destroyed. All right, here we go. NFL and Jay Z team up on music and social justice campaign. Yeah, see, it's a PR move. Like I said, the partnership brings together two of the country's biggest brands as well as the league and a vocal critic. Yeah, yeah, he's talked a lot of shit about the NFL. Yeah, he knows what he's doing though, man. He's smart about a lot of stuff like that. Like he, there was something where people were asking him if he didn't. What do you think about white people buying your music? And he's like, I love it. Like, I'm like yeah. why would he? Because he knows the numbers game. He's like, I can't just alienate. You know, black people are thirteen percent of the population. You can't tell the other sixty-five percent to fuck off. Well, I like it because like I'm a huge hip hop fan. You and, are, and he's to the point where he's making it look good to be older in hip hop. You know, like a lot of times, yeah. if you, after a certain age, hip hop's a young game. So after a certain age, you look like an asshole if you're still rapping or you're still trying to like make music and. He's still doing it, and he's still he's doing it well. I mean, like he does music well still, and he's doing everything on the outside very well. So it gives a lot of people something to look for. That's after music, providing a path, which yeah. I definitely like. People who do that, I've noticed music in general seems to be a young person's game. I've, yeah, I've talked sure. about this on the podcast before. I feel like a lot of the all time great artists, the Rolling Stones, and you're selling out, you know, Soldier Field still at seventy six. Yeah, or that's whatever. true. But I mean, in the sense that, as far as your creative window. Sure. Where, like, in comedy, some of the best comedians do their best work in their 40s. Right. Even early 50s. Yeah. Where musicians, I feel like a lot of their best work is in their early 20s. Right. You think That's about some of the greatest about, albums yeah, yeah. of all time and how old the person was when they did that album. It's well, usually more, very young. You're dexterous as a kid. You know, you're playing music. Sure. you got to fucking move fast and shit. Well, so. I think there's something about music, too, that speaks to youth. Well, a lot of times, that's, way, right? that's also true. A lot yeah. of times, you start music at like ten, too. That's so true. So, like, too. You, a yeah. lot of times, comedians don't start until their twenties. You know, so it's that's it's true. pretty rare that you get a comedian that starts at eighteen. You know? And a musician has the advantage. Uh, music has a lot of advantages over comedy. And I remember getting an argument over a friend once about that, where what's harder to make it in comedy or music? I still think it's way harder to make it in comedy because music has all these platforms that are just so socially acceptable. In society, like the radio, people will listen to. I mean, obviously, there's some people who listen to like Sirius XM comedy channels, which is great. And people will listen to comedy albums, but 
there are talent shows yeah. for music that actually work. The comedy ones have never really truly worked. I don't think ratings. Shout wise. out to Calvin Evans. I think he's on either tonight or last night. Love him. I saw him over the weekend. He's, he's on, on crutches. He's on uh, the what's that stand up? It's the it's, N- uh, new NBC show. Bring bring the funny. Bring the funny. It's on yeah, NBC. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, like, um, I don't know. There's just there's just way more. Like I said, there's more avenues for music. Like you were saying, you could start learning how to play an instrument when you're like nine or ten, and all that kind of. There's stuff. There's way more people that do music, though. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I feel like it's kind of even that way. There's a shit ton of people that do music. You look at all the SoundCloud people alone. There's there's a lot. So I guess it's harder because it's a noisier field. So it's harder to like get it's harder noticed. to stand out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's harder to stand out in comedy too. But I I, I don't know. I, here's one other reason I think music is a little bit tougher. Maybe this isn't from the the standpoint of how do you you know become a star or whatever right. become a star whatever you want to define that as. But as a musician, you can get yourself into a studio and hammer something out until it's perfect. Or as a comedian, you can't do a comedy special in a studio or an album in a studio. Right. You have to have an audience. Right. Imagine listening to a, even the imagine the greatest comedy special. What's your favorite comedy special of all time? Probably Elephant in the Room, maybe. That's, okay. That's probably up there. I don't know. That's a great choice, by yeah. the way. Imagine listening to Elephant in the Room, Patrice O'Neill, everybody, without the laughter. Right. You might still laugh at some parts, but it'd be weird be fucking weird yeah it'd be drew michael special yeah <laughs> that's a good point actually yeah i still haven't watched that yet yeah I, it's a, I, mean, I love drew and that's a good special so like i think it's very different i like what he did there but yeah it's there's no laughter really it's just him talking is it really like a stand-up thing or is it more like a kind of one-man show spoken kinda, word I don't know. It's, thing it's interesting yeah it's that but it's it's all his jokes i mean it's, it's, it's a lot of jokes yeah, but yeah. like act outs and stuff right mm-hmm. yeah and he's kind of alone in a room and I, i'll ch- i'll check it out eventually I, I get along with drew now i um people he'll admit this too we've had our bouts of fuck you fuck you but I've heard, I've heard he's a great comic there's been more than that there's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just you how shit goes in comedy though <laughs> i did we get into we got into a physical altercation back in like 2010 or 2011 or some shit where i pushed him down a step Mm. You know, the, in Timothy O'Toole's, the showroom there, there's one step, and I pushed him down that one step. Yeah. But how people like to twist and turn things. Right. Oh, my God, I heard Joe threw Drew down a flight of stairs. I heard he punched him in the face. Yeah, I punched, <laughs> I punched him in the face, threw him down a flight of stairs. I was Jorge Masvidal giving him those <laughs> super necessary. <laughs> <A flying> knee. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag super necessary. Um, no, he went down one stair. But, you know, lesson learned. Don't talk shit in front of stairs. You know what I mean? He's going <laughs> to you're gonna sit there and talk shit. It's like, you ever see that? You remember that Chappelle show episode where he threw Barry Katz down the stairs? Like Barry, <laughs> <laughs> Barry Katz is in a wheelchair and he throws him down the stairs because he's just like, he goes and like, he just fucking, everybody that ever fucked him over, instead of being nice to him, he's an asshole to yeah. him. <laughs> was that after he won the lottery or something? Or no, I after think, he married Oprah, I think? It was something like, something he, it was like something that. with a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> I love the idea about living out your fantasy on television. Be yeah. like, I'm like, get this motherfucker, right. that motherfucker. Hey, Barry Katz was his original manager, yeah, right? He was. Yeah, he's Barry Katz's podcast every, is good, though. Dude, we we I was with uh, Esther Koo this weekend. She came to town and uh, she had to fill out a form, and she wrote that Barry Katz was her, her manager currently. And I was like, wow, I didn't even realize he was still managing people. It's pretty interesting. I know he's got Jay Moore still. I think Does, he's got a okay. few people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know I haven't listened cold. to Jay. I used to listen to Jay's podcast back in the day, so I didn't. I didn't know that he was still with him. But yeah, if you guys, anyone who's a fan of Jay Moore's podcast, listen to the episode with Mick Betancourt on it. Yeah, because Mick's a good friend of mine, and he's got some stories. He's a Chicago guy, right? Yep. Mick? Yeah, he's like one of the most Chicago guys. Love that dude. Um, that dude's life story. He was renting his own apartment at like fifteen. Really? What? Yeah, because he had a really kind of fucked up family situation. All that, or just not, like not even. Just like well, his dad died. I think his dad died uh, third rail of the blue line. Oh wow! Electrocuted. Oh fuck! Yeah. So um, 
Anyway, you can listen to it. I, got, I have had Mick on my other podcast. Uh, next time he's in town, i got to get him on this one. So, uh, all right. Um, yeah, no, the Batman Begins. Oh, this is what I wanted. I know you're a big comic book guy. Sorry, we're going back and forth here. Ten minutes ago. Holy shit. Um, we went full circle, man. We, we had a good did. time with it. We're talking about Jay-Z being a billionaire. Made me think of Bruce Wayne's billions. In Batman Begins, uh, Michael Caine's Alfred, he kind of brings up the Wayne family. And they talked about that train. Remember, like, the, taking a train to go see the theater? Yeah. And the Wayne family built that train. Yeah. They built a public train. Imagine, like, a billionaire family in Chicago being like, oh, we're going to build another line. Well, it's like Rockefeller. Because right? the they city's did. too poor to do it themselves. Yeah. Rockefeller built a line? No, but didn't or he build, like, all the trains or did something he? like that? I think he had, well, it's like, what a, Elon Musk is trying to do with right. Hyperloop. Yeah. You know? It's not going to happen. So but there are some good billionaires. That's yeah. that for sure. Although the Hyperloop thing that Elon Musk wants to do in Chicago is really stupid. It's not well. If anywhere, it's not stupid, but it's a waste. It should be here if it's anywhere. Well, he I, wants to do. Sorry, Brian. Do you know? No, I thought there. I don't know if it's Elon Musk, but I saw something about like they're going to build a train from Chicago to Cleveland. That would be great. Something like that would be cool. It's like thir- a thirty-minute trip. Yeah. yeah, those is what. Well, Japan has that. But Japan's only about the size of California, I think. Yeah. But which is huge. California's gigantic. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, in comparison to America. But I know they're talking about like doing L.A. to Vegas in like 45 minutes. Yeah. and all. The whole country can be connected that way to major hubs. I know people in Wyoming will be like, what the fuck about us? Well, sorry. But everyone else, I think that's a really great idea. But Elon Musk in Chicago wanted to do a thing where from O'Hare Airport to downtown in like five minutes or something like that. But it's like we already have the blue line, which takes 25 minutes, and it costs a buck fifty. Right. You want to do your thing for five minutes for five bucks? This is only going to service people, like business people who are landing over here who want to get downtown quick. I would do it. I mean, like I, sometimes when you land, I, I usually fly early in the morning or late but at night. But you don't live downtown. No, but like even getting to my place, like I. But it would be, it'd be no stops. Uh, it'd be just direct. Straight to it'd the be loop. from O'Hare to like Clark mm-hmm. and Lake okay. with no stops between. That's why I'd take five. They're minutes. saying, uh, first of all, they're saying it's twelve minutes, but it's also dead in the water. Apparently, yeah, it's, it's just a waste of money. But the Cleveland Chicago under half an hour. I don't know if speed. it is a waste of money though. Smart. You imagine if we lived in Cleveland. It just doesn't serve enough of the population. <laughs> <laughs> you get a fucking great house in Cleveland. Yeah, and work in Chicago. I would do that. Well, in I that would. case, the property value goes way up in Cleveland. Of I would course, assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would have to. Yeah, you get in early. Yeah. It'd be pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like I live in Cleveland, but yeah. it's, it's thirty-four I'm minutes sick. or whatever it is. I'm staying in Chicago tonight, working at Hilarities. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah totally. You see all these comics. I'm going to fly into Chicago and work hilarities in Cleveland. Yeah, get out of Elon. Because you'd rather party in Chicago than Cleveland. No offense, but Cleveland. Didn't I think like Elon's doing it somewhere else too? That is outside of America. Um, let's see. So is Elon a good billionaire? Do people not like? He's him? amazing. Some people don't like him, but it's because they don't understand him, Joe. And then they well, the Wayne family was under misunderstood because people around <laughs> right. around Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, there were those right. memes going, hey, Bruce Wayne, why don't you take your billions to help the fucking infrastructure of Gotham City instead of spending billions on being a superhero? Why don't you fix these potholes? Yeah, that's what they were saying. Like, Maybe people, if they had smoother surfaces to drive on, wouldn't be lured in by the Joker. Well, we could get there quicker. Yeah, man. That's why the Joker was like, sick of potholes? Join me. That's what he was He's doing. Like, I'm class, class action lawsuit. And guy. Wayne's like, I'm sick of potholes. I'm going to build a train. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what his dad did. But then when they were going through the Batcave, Alfred also said, Your great grandfather would take, or great great grandfather would take uh, free slaves. This was like part of the Underground Railroad. And I'm like, oh, The Jesus Wayne family Christ. was awesome billionaires. Yeah, I guess. And everyone's like, they're hating just on misunderstood. them. Misunderstood. They're totally misunderstood. I don't know. There's a whole segment of our population just right like now. Just like every white billionaire, just misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> 
every white man in general is misunderstood. I mean, people are like, you guys did this. Yeah, but then we stopped doing that. So how about a little credit for that? This just turns into a race rally. <laughs> finally. Finally. Kilgallen's pub. You want to hang the Hillary for prison prophecy. Yeah, there's another podcast that shoots out of this studio called uh, Hillary. <laughs> By two of the craziest people you ever meet in your life, uh, Bobby Buds and Todd Massey. And oh my God, they Bobby have a big Buds. flag that says Hillary for president. Bobby or for Buds, prison, it, it does not say president. Yeah, Bobby president. Buds' fucking Epstein jokes on Facebook the oh past God, few days yeah. were amazing. Oh man, dude. he had one really funny Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein joke about um, shit. He, he, said, he said to tell yours. He said something about like uh, he's like he was sad that he died because he always wanted to be a white billionaire pedophile when he grew up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not gonna look, I'm not gonna look up to you now. All the white billionaire pedophiles are dying that I look up to. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> All right, I gotta read another one of his. He said something about like the idea that. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, killed himself. Like he's like people have been looking past all, everything he's done for his whole life. So of course the guards could too. <laughs> nice, very good. He wrote it better than that. Obviously, no, no, right. he's been nailing it with these. Oh, I can't get this dude. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. He's everyone. so fucking funny, dude. Like his Facebook is hilarious. Dude, that kid still no, talks about Terry Jeffrey Shivo. Epstein. Je yeah, he, no, that's the one thing about him. When it, when you guys told me they were gonna name a podcast Hillary, I'm like, this thing's gonna last three years because it's gonna be an old joke by then. They're gonna want to change the name, but. Yeah. Yeah, Bobby's one of those dudes that will kind of... He does still talk about Terry Schiavo. Like he was <laughs> All the time. He's, he's hilarious. He brings though. up Kramer every time he was at the Laugh Factory. Every time he's at the Laugh Factory, he brings up Kramer. Yeah. All right, here's one. Uh, this was from yesterday. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein was not murdered by the Clintons. He was totally destroyed by Steve Hostetter. <laughs> I fucking died at that. Died now, that's a little that. inside for people who aren't in comedy. Steve Hofstetter, though, had a lot of YouTube videos went viral where it's Steve Hofstetter totally destroys Heckler. Yep. It was always destroys Heckler. Every time. Every time, man. Oh, shit, I, dude. I had heard those were set up. I wasn't sure, though. I don't know. Are they? Oh, I shit. Know. I don't know. Can't believe it's Santa anymore, everybody. But maybe. Let's find I feel out. Like, I feel like after a while, like, how many Hecklers actually happen, you know, and you have a camera ready? Yeah. I don't know. Um... But, didn't That's a good point. A well, some people like film. Some, there are some people that get to that level where they just film every set they do. Yeah, but then they had cameras on the heckler sometimes, too. So. Yeah, that's always <laughs> weird. Where it's like, okay, Maybe why is there not. a spotlight on the heckler? What the fuck is happening here? The, the only light in the whole room is on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Conan set or sketch, you know? Right, like, like like the Rory Scovel one, like with uh, John Doerr when they do those things. Do you ever watch those? Oh, man, I remember doing the, the one where they... John Doran, they said John Doran and Rory Scovel accidentally got booked at the same time. Yeah. So they, they both went up together into their sets and same. that was obviously one, planned out for yeah. genius. At one time, like, I think John Doran was doing stand-up and Rory, or one of the two, like, one of them was doing stand-up and then one of them was a security guard in the audience seating people and he was being too loud so it, it fucked up the set and they, like, he was like, <laughs> I think it was Rory that was on stage was like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, you're being really loud. He's like, do you think this job's easy? He's like, do you think my job's easy? And then they switched and then they started, like, both doing and then Conan's like what's going on here then conan got up and did stand up and like <laughs> then like they all just rotated it was super fucking funny. oh man see dude that's what is really cool about conan is he will get the people he likes right he will give them the freedom to do stuff like that because yeah. a lot of the whole late night set the whole the format of a comedian doing a late night set i feel like it's just so outdated i think late night is kind of outdated that's it what, is that's why i watch do you ever watch jesus and Mero? Oh, I've seen their clips, but I've never actually watched the full episode. So or they have a late night show that's on Showtime, and I think it's just the way that they do it is way more fun. It's, it's weren't they more, big on YouTube first, or where'd they get their start? So they started. They have a podcast that was podcast. called. They actually started on Twitter. So they had Twitters that were like popular 
by themselves, solo Twitters that were popular by themselves. And then they started working together and uh, their Twitters, like they were in this, like they're from the Bronx and they had like this Bronx Twitter that was big. And then uh, somebody suggested that they do a podcast together. So then they have a podcast. It's called Bodega Boys. It's like they've been around for years. Good name. Yeah. And then uh, that podcast like got big and then they went to Vice. And so they were on Viceland for a while. Oh, that's right. And then after Vice. That's why I first saw them. Showtime signed them on Vice or after Vice. So. Yeah, their show. I mean, it's more production now. It's cool. Like they, they're. It on, works on Showtime then. Yeah, I really like it. Because I know some people are worried. Not to cut you off. People worry about if you're big in one medium, like if you're big digitally, can you go over to television and still work? Because it failed for Bill Simmons. So and what, a few other people like what that. they're doing though is they're still putting out all their shit digitally. So like a Good. lot of the interviews are going out. Like what they'll do is they'll put a cut version up on Showtime and then they'll put an extended version out on YouTube. That's smart. Yeah. So and then they'll put like they do a lot of like behind the scenes shit and that's what I like too. Like it's like uh, while they're getting mic'd and things like that and the conversations that are happening, they'll put those out on YouTube. You know, so you get to see like it's more inside. Content. It's more inside baseball, like than fucking you know, just something super produced like Fallon. I like that. So you yeah. like their version of a late night style? Yeah, show. I think I think it's what should happen now. Like I think that they have guests on like, and stuff like yeah. that. Break it break it down for people because I don't yeah, know if a lot so of people like, listen. They, know they, they do are. like their first is like you know topics, whatever's happening in the news in the past few days. Then they'll go through like some viral videos, whatever is like popping off, and then they'll have a guest. They'll usually either bring them into the studio, like they have like this separate area where they interview people, or they do remotes with people. Like they had um, his name Cory Booker. He's running for president. Yeah, New Jersey he, senator. He's married to uh, um, or he's like dating, he's dating uh, Rosario Dawson. Yes. So they had him on. They played great ba- breasts, they, by the way. They played basketball. I just watched Kids again for the other, the other day, and that's her first movie. Yeah. You, ever, you ever seen Kids? A long ass time oh ago. It's the most fucked up great movie. They, yeah. You can't find it anywhere. You can't find it on iTunes. Nothing. Some of those cold classics are impossible to find. I had a I had a hankering to watch The Warriors the other day, mm. and I I, had to, I don't want to buy it for eighteen ninety nine on, on Amazon. You, you know? can't even buy fuck. Kids though. That's yeah, point. that's you, true. Like you can't even find. It. It's weird. But yeah, so basketball with him they took uh who's the girl with the big teeth from um that that miley cyrus no no she's got huge teeth though man she does it's the same size she smiled at me going up the stairs you know the left after hollywood i was going up the stairs she was coming down yeah and she was with um dan cook and some other person my sister my sister really likes her and like she came through and told me about it after like my sister used to work at the laugh factory yeah yeah i remember talking to her a lot yeah Yeah. she's great all right sorry the big teeth woman with the big teeth Uh, anna kendrick anna kendrick she's so like they brought, they brought they brought Anna Kendrick to the Bronx and like brought her to a bodega. They shot dice with her. They just did like That's it's fun. just like different shit that yeah. you don't see That's a normally. Fun thing to see. Like you know, it's not it's not like we're gonna play a game. We're not gonna like just do these like the, the interviews. The, yeah, the whole Jimmy Fallon concept of this just yeah, Fallon I, really. I I wasn't a Jimmy Fallon hater, and I'm really not a hater. He's he's clearly good at what he does, but that whole he just picked up from where Leno left off. Right. That like let's keep it safe. Let's you know so I fuzzy went, and warm. I went, I went to the Tonight Show um, probably three years ago. Um, Josh Johnson, another great comedian, started in Chicago. Good dude. I like Josh. He lives in New York now. He writes on the Daily Show. But he um, worked. He was a writer for the Tonight Show for like probably six, eight months, something like that. And uh, I went to a, an, an episode. It was it was really cool to watch live. Just the way that they they run everything in real time. So yeah. All the commercials, everything's ran in real time. And before the show. He, Jim came, Jimmy came out and talked to like everybody for probably 30, 30 minutes. Like just anybody that had a question, he would talk to. Yeah, I like him. He's a good dude, yeah. and he does uh, pluck a lot of Chicago writers. C.J. Taldana wrote for him for yeah, a little yeah. while. Uh, David Angelo, I know, is a writer on there. And I just feel like I feel like maybe he's missing. a little fake on there, but it's it's you can't you you can only do so much in fucking network. And TV. look, there's 
I'm not even going to say I don't want him to do that style. Look, the people in the middle of nowhere, 60-year-old couples who right. go to bed at two, or in bed at 10.30 Midwest time and want to watch some mindless shit before they go to sleep, yeah. Yeah, good for them. They right. Let them have Jimmy Fallon. That's right. great. So I never understood like the comedians who were just like, Oh fuck that guy! Or fuck. Right. It's like no, they're not for you. Right. You know what I mean? You yeah, had Letterman, they had this person, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I definitely think, as far as late night television being used as a platform to break comedians, it's gone. That's gone. Yeah, and you know, and and that's kind of fine because I think it doesn't. It kind of shows a watered down version of that comic, right? But where Rory is cool, and with being Rory Scovel on Conan has always been great. Because he's done it enough where Conan's like, I trust you. Just, Just go do ahead and do it. You want. Want. Yeah, yeah. He had one set where he opened with anal. Anal? Who likes anal? Who does <laughs> anal? Come on. Make some noise if you do anal. You got to do the anal. Like, that was the whole opener. Yeah. Where your typical Conan set, from anyone first timer especially, is always that introductory joke that I don't like, mainly because I've never written a good one. Of <laughs> It's true. Of... I look like this, or my name is this, right. or I'm half this, half that. Yeah. I'm Italian and Irish, therefore, blah, blah, blah. Right. Or I'm this and that. Or I'm, you know, I've never had that joke because I'm awesome. Yeah. When you're awesome, you can't self-deprecate. People yeah. will be like, dude, you're lying. You're great. Why would you say something bad about yourself? No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm being a dick right now. The closest I had to a joke like this, I said, I look like the guy most likely to flirt with your mom. Yeah, you know, I see that. That was kind of the thing I did for a minute. But I didn't even like, I just, it's just not my style. Right. I'm not knocking comics who do late night. Um, Conan, I would probably say yes to. I would definitely say yes to. You would say yes to anything. What are you saying? Mm. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. If any, if anybody offered you late night, you would. Use yeah, it I would. Just do, I mean, credit, uh, yeah, for the credit, but even the credit doesn't you, do shit anymore. But sure, but you know, you know, the best thing about that now is now you have a professional film clip that you can share on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I would. Have to, you know what I would do? I would do fifty nine seconds of real me where they're like, "What the fuck? We're never having you back." I'm like, "That's fine. Dude. I got to share my Instagram." Yeah. And, um, no, I I watched. Uh, you guys know Ian yeah. Abramson? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. so great. He did Conan, and. Uh, he had a really cool. cool I remember set. his Conan. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. He brought a dog collar out and wore a dog collar and had somebody shock him in the audience every time the, a joke wouldn't go well. Yeah, which is like really funny. But he showed me something. I don't know if I can talk about whatever. But he he showed me he filmed his set. But like he put a he wore a, a like a suit jacket like a blazer and he put his phone in his front pocket and then he turned the camera on so you can watch his whole set from the view from, from his, his view. view yeah it was really That's cool genius. yeah he, did, he, did he do anything with that is it out I don't think so I don't think so he should one man, day he'll do a documentary about himself and dude, you'll he, see that or he something. showed me he showed me the show that him and um, um, Tim Barnes are pitching it is fucking cool is it cool yeah that guy like I like how he's got a different brain yeah, I love with comedy I love how See, that's where I think late night... I just got chills thinking about it. That's how fucking weird. Really? I'm so weird. Damn. (laughs) That's where I think late night comics... Those are the comics I want to see on late night. I want to see Ian Abramson. I want to see Nick Vaderot because from what I've seen him already do, it was really, really fun. I want to see Chris Condren. I want to see people like that. Right. But your typical... Cameron Gillette. Cameron (laughs) Gillette. Yeah. I want to see weirdos. Right. Because I feel like that kind of works for them. Yeah. Where... Yeah, I mean, your guys like Mark Norman and Sam Morell are amazing joke writers, right. so they'll fit great anywhere. Right, yeah. But I don't, like, Big J. Orkerson never did. It still hasn't, but he got to do, like, an interview. Right. The Conan had him, like, yeah, on the interview. Yeah, down, yeah. I wouldn't want to see Big J. Orkerson do Conan's five. Right. Because I don't want to see, I know that guy's a beast, and I don't want to see a watered-down version of a guy like that. I don't want to see watered-down versions of anyone I know who could go up there and step on someone's throat for five minutes. And and I'm not even knocking these shows. I just wish that, what like, um... I don't know. I just I don't wish actually because this I just I would like the regular public to see that as like oh that's not the you got to see this person live. But then also you're 
just like you talked about before, their demographic for who they're going to, they're like most likely not going to go see these people live. That's true. So it's That's like, true. They're not. It, honestly, most of the time, I feel like comedians just do it for the credit. You know, just oh, to definitely. say that you've you've done it. It's yeah. it's like a notch. You know. No, I would do any late night one. I would. Yeah. Why not? I mean. You would do Man of the People if it was still around. R.I.P. Pat, I love you. R.I.P. Pat Thomas. Now that Man of the People's not around, I can actually get him on the podcast. I went to the last episode. It was really cool. I had never been to one. It was it was really cool to go watch it. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Um, Pat Thomas, everyone's a really funny comedian who had a show in Chicago here on WGN, a late night show. That was it was fun. I liked it. He had a good little take on stuff. Yeah. For, dude, what they did with that budget. Well, how about that? Also, like he just brought on Marty DeRosa and Adam Burke, which yeah. is like amazing. So he you gave know, two the, comedians full time jobs, of course, and in that's this like city. yeah, and kept it local. Like didn't you know that's great? I need more. You need he more. Brought, of that. Like he had a bunch, like Sarah Perry went in and wrote a bunch. He had yeah. a bunch of people. I went in and wrote one for a week or two, yeah. and then um, did one sketch with uh, Russ Williamson and something yeah. like a, a bowling team or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I wish there was more. Stuff that use local comedians. They don't. It doesn't have to be a local show. I actually don't want them to be local shows. I want them to be national shows. Right. But use this talent pool. Yeah. That's my th- hope for Chicago in the next three to five years to emerge as oh New York, LA, Chicago. Another thing with music. Musicians don't have to leave their hometown. They don't. Mm. They could go to LA and record. They could go to New York and record. But they could stay. A lot of country singers are all Nashville. That's their capital. Yeah, but that's not to, they could stay a music thing. So like, yeah, I, yeah, for sure, I understand what you're no, saying. No, but you know what I mean. Like the yeah. Seattle bands. Yeah, they went down to LA and did all sorts of shit and would fly out to New York. But they lived in Seattle the other seven, eight months of the year. Or they were on tour. Or they were on yeah, tour yeah. too. Well, when you're on tour, you could you know right. you live you're anywhere. an MMA fan. Conor McGregor lives in Dublin. Right. These guys, Jose Aldo lives in Brazil. They right. they get to li- they don't have to go to New York. Oh, you want to be you want to make a New York You're gonna fucking live in Des Moines. Get the fuck out of here. You got you got to go there. That's yeah, not like that. Right. We're in comedy. There's just this constant like no, gotta move. Well, I think I think that's also goes to like well, that's where the talent is, especially right now. So and then like you have to look at comedy clubs. So like until Laugh Factory opened, there wasn't really a place for showcase. You know, mm-hmm. like that that didn't exist, and that that only happened seven years ago and only really got going five years ago so it's like right now you still could go you should probably go to the coast like you went to la la is like no i would recommend i would recommend here's the thing i would still if someone asked me today what would you do um like new york or la i would ask them what they want to do first Mm -hmm. like what do you want to do what do you have a five-year plan do you have a 10-year plan? Where do you ultimately see? What type of career would you want? Is there someone similar that you want to, you know? Who's the blonde woman that was on 30 Rock, that actress? What's her name? Oh, yeah. Anyway, I have a friend, a female comedian friend, who says, I want a career like hers. Right. I would be very happy to have that career. You know, fourth lead Jane on Jane Krakowski? Thank you. That's exactly who it is. Fourth lead on a big TV hit TV show. Um, some fun bit parts in movies. Like a, like a character actor, right. essentially. I'm like, cool. That's your plan? L.A. Got to go to L.A. for something like that. If your plan is to be, I want to be a fucking heavyweight of a stand-up comedian and like tour and sell out theaters and be like just a megastar in that realm, New York. So absolutely, I, I like I agree with you at certain aspects of that. Um, I think that you can go to L.A. now and become a heavyweight. It, it just you have to align yourself with the right people. You know, like you have to, yeah, realistically, go work at the store. 
go like literally work there. Yeah, literally person, park cars. Yeah, totally. Or do whatever. And then hopefully somebody takes you on the road because they like you there. And then you can build up a following that way, you know, and you get better and better that way. I think like, I think the biggest part about moving to New York or LA is for a comedian is seeing competition, especially when you get really big here and like you've, you've done it all. Like once you go to New York or LA and you see like, okay, this is the level I could be at and this is how good I could be because I'm going to watch David Tell every night or I'm going to watch like fucking Dave Chappelle or whatever other Dave there is. But (laughs) you could, you could see like how good you can be every single night. And it's like motivating that way, especially if you take it that way and you don't get discouraged by that because you, you got fucking bumped because Chappelle showed up. You know? Oh yeah, that'd be weird to get discouraged. <laughs> oh, one of the greatest of all time. But some people, up. some people do. You know, some people get you know butt hurt that they fucking get bumped or whatever. But and I would move to either one of these cities again if the opportunity was right. I think, but like, I would I prefer like, to do the path I want to go on now, which is just build up, put out as much content as possible that like I'm doing, build up why, a following, and then and then be able to live where I want. That's why the internet is huge, and that's yeah. why I tell people all the time, like build up your following here, especially like nobody knows you here. They're not going to check for you. Nobody gives a shit. So like build up your phone, get really good at your craft. And then if you need to go, New York, I feel like is more manageable. You can move to New York and you can probably get in at like, you know, a club that isn't. You what know, do you think's easier to get passed by? The comedy store or the comedy store? Um, so I know my, I know the answer. So right now I think that the seller is easier to get yes. passed at than the store. It is. It is. I think five years ago it was different. Could could have been. I don't know what the, yeah. the landscape was five years I think ago. Five, and that's not a knock on the seller. No. I actually to me that's a compliment to the seller. Because well, the seller has a more practical way to get past there. From what I'd heard, and that this is someone told me this about a year and a half ago or so, you need two people who are already passed there to vouch for you. Then they will audition you off of that. Those two people vouching for you. And if you kill your audition, you're in. So I don't even think it's that as much as right now. The seller has more spots to fill because they run more rooms. That's so true. They have two rooms. No, they have more. They have the fat black pussycat. They have um, the underground. And oh, yeah, have, the underground. Yeah. And they have the seller. Because they have three. Yeah. yeah. And then they sometimes. I and they do three to four shows a night. I mean, sometimes five, you know, it's a, and the, the store has a lot of shows too, because they have three stages, stages, but they don't run as many shows a night. So like, I think on, I can't remember if I'm right, but last time I checked, like the seller ran like either 12, 12 or 13 shows on a Saturday. Yeah. So it's like, you you have to fill a lot of spots. But I know comics who live in LA that are past at the comedy cellar without ever having lived in New York. Mm -hmm. Of course. They went out to New York to do shows for a bunch of weeks. A few other friends at the cellar were like, come on in. We'll get you an audition for her. Yeah. Uh, the woman who books Esty. it. Esty. Esty, thank you. Yeah. I was, I, for some reason, I was trying to say Eve, but I know Eve's at Comedy Club in St. Madison. But Esty, thank you. And, um, and yeah, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. My buddy Gary Cannon just got passed at the cellar. Nate Craig's passed at the cellar. I mean, these are really awesome comics. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be passed right. there. But they it seems like there's more of a path. Well, they also don't give a shit the, as the much store, like, about credits and things like that. They don't. So, as much. It's, yeah, it's how good you are as a comic. LA is always about credits. You well, know? comedy like, store, I'll give them credit. Of the big three, I don't think they care about as, as much about credits as sure. Improv is laugh Because like, they've got people who go up that don't know any credits. Burt Kreischer just got passed at the store a year and a half ago. Yeah, just crazy. So, like, you got to think about that. Like, and, this and, guy's and, touring, doing theaters. And there are a lot of people got, we know who are, like, Ari Shaffir famously talks about how it took him, like, seven years to yeah. get passed or some shit. Yeah, but Louis C.K. never got passed right. until he did his own special there, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, and these aren't knocks on any of them. This is just, like, my observations about L.A. versus New York. So, if I meet someone who's like, hey, I just really want to go all in on stand-up, then I'm like, well, then you go to the city that's got 25 fucking clubs. Right. And all these other great showcase rooms, and it's all about just this hustle and grind of stand up, and they don't really give a shit if you're trying to be 
an actor or whatever yeah. like that. Where I and think LA, a- the industry, it's so close to the industry that there is, there is kind of that. Hey, do you um, work? It's well, they want to draw. You know, they want to bring people in, and there's a lot of competition in LA, New York. Like you, it's not as much competition for things to do. I feel like New York has a lot of competition for shit to do. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but like as far as comedy goes, like this is what it is. Like LA, there's so much shit to do as far as like going to Universal Studio. Like, oh yeah, you're talking about from an audience perspective. Just doing anything. Yeah, you're talking about an audience perspective for sure. Oh, for an audience, it's really. I produced a show in LA, Communication in LA, that I still feel like it's still going and um. It served its purpose in a different way than the other two communities you should know. Because, like, see, communities you should know in Chicago and the communities you should know in New York, those sell out every week. Right. The L.A. one was inconsistent. It'd be packed one week, shit the next week, packed, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth. And I was like, you know what, though? This show is more about just kind of being brand, being having a presence here. And it, it's just as important being sold out. What's almost more important than being sold out is having a picture of Adam Sandler with our logo right, right. behind him. That's right. kind of, of where course. that was. Yeah. It was almost like how Starbucks would open up another location two blocks from another Starbucks, mm-hmm. where it's like we weren't making enough money at this location to have this one, but having this one gets us in in get some column inches. You know right. what I mean? It gets us exposure in a different way. Brandon, got like a nose hair that is fucking killing me. I thought you were on coke. I wasn't you sure. saw what I was doing there, yeah. right? No, I'm not. I've never done coke. Um, the day is young. Yeah, right, man. Let's get into it. This goddamn Jameson IPA shit you got me drinking here. You're allergic. Uh, <laughs> now I love LA as a city. Everyone thought I hated LA. Yeah. Like I really strictly came back for family reasons. And right. when, and we, you know, everyone has heard my album or heard my act. My both my sons were planned. These mm. were planned pregnancies, like planned to a fucking T. And uh, I feel like it everything you do is pretty planned. I feel like you're a planner. Um, only within like a month out. Right. I've done stuff where I'm like, shit. If I were to re- if I were to go back to when I originally thought of this, I would have done that differently. But you know, when I was in LA, people kept going, "What do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I just want to do fun stuff." I had no answer to that. What question. was your reason for moving there? Um, like you were friends with like Mike and people like that that wanted you to come out, or no, nobody. I mean, well, people people were telling me to go to LA after, you know, way way before I actually did. I, I did comedy in Chicago for about six and a half years, or seven years maybe before I moved to LA. Hmm. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, "All right, I feel like I've done all I could do here." You know, I was headlining comedy bar a, a lot. Right. I was closing out Laugh Factory Showcase because Laugh Factory Showcase Club. I was closing that out very frequently. I was featuring at the Improv. I was featuring at Zanies, and both those clubs won't headline you unless you have TV credits. And you had the most successful, you know, and, show and in Community Chicago. Chanel was running itself, and right. it was a big hit. Um, so I was kind of like, all right, what? Like, you know, and a lot of my friends were starting to pick coasts. That's when you come up in a city like a Chicago, Minneapolis, or Boston. Sorry, this is very inside comedy for you guys. Um, this whole podcast will be probably. That's fun, fine. Yeah. That's fine, though. You know, people watching expect that. I think right now. Maybe well after they get to know the guest. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have my friend who's a pole dancer on soon, and <laughs> there'll be a lot of pole dancing talk. So, um, where you know. do we put the pole? <laughs> Should we bring a pole in for that? We're actually gonna talk about. We're going to do a show. Just put a camera on we're, it. We're, in the her, middle we, of the table. This <laughs> is fun, though. You guys are both comedy fans, so you guys might like this. Her and I are working on um, doing a, because she has a pole dancing studio in the South Loop. We're going to do like a, a comedy slash pole dancing show. Mm. Why not? They do burlesque and, and uh, stand up. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, when are you getting on that pole, Joe? It's going to be called, uh, it's going to be like uh, Jokes and Grind or something like that. So it's got kind of a fun name. And she made a re- she's also a graphic artist, and she made a really badass, like, Instead of a pole, it's a stand-up microphone, and it's like a dancer, like kind of grinding on it. Oh, it yeah. Really cool, fucking logo. Anyhow, I'll I'll keep you guys updated on that. I'll, I'm gonna have her on soon, maybe later this week. 
anyhow, um, yeah, I never had like a an answer. So all, all my friends were going to different coasts. Like I was saying, when you come up in certain scenes, eventually people start to move and you start to be like, well, you don't want to be that guy who hung out at high school too long. Right. Um, so I left my hometown. Yeah. That's why people leave their hometowns. Right. So I was just kind of like back and forth. Like, all right, I'll go to LA. What I really wanted was to be a screenwriter, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to put any of the work that goes towards being a screenwriter. I had written a screenplays. I had one screenplay that I wrote while I was there. I didn't go there with a screenplay in hand. Right. I went there with, I did have a pilot in hand. Um, I had uh, what's it called? A spec script of a my buddy show Sullivan and Son in hand. Um, that was, that was bad on, timing that was on TBS. with that. It was on TBS. Yeah. That was bad timing with it because I wrote the spec Steve, script. Steve I wrote the spec script. Steve loved it. They were switching showrunners, mm-hmm. so the new showrunner brings in all their people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I can't get you a job in the writing staff. That I couldn't, sucks. you know, it's kind of one of those things. And what's funny about that? It's the one showrunner, because there's two guys who are the new showrunners. This dude, F.J. Pratt, saw me at the Ice House in Pasadena about a month after Sullivan's Song got canceled. And was like, I didn't know you were stand-up. You were, that was, you were amazing. He loved me. He was right. like, you were great. Why didn't you ever say anything? We would have tried to write you apart. We would have done, you know. And I was just like, I, you know, I was, I was a stand-in. I didn't want to be that guy that's bothering the writers. You guys only came in through, like, run-through and rehearsal. And, you know, they would say a great way to get fired from a job is talking to people who have a different job than of you. Of course, yeah. And I've seen that. I remember um, it was actually Sullivan's son. There was a dude. I'm not going to name the guy's name. I don't know if he does stand-up anymore, but Steve knew him and threw him a bone and said, yeah, you could work background. Extra, everybody. He's an extra. And in between some takes, he would wander over to the writers and make joke suggestions. Yeah. And oof. right away, it's like, get the fuck. Well, I think. I, I guess think... who had to fire him? Vince Vaughn. Because someone's like, who's this guy? He's like, oh, I, I kind of know him. And then he's like, oh, well, if you don't feel comfortable, I got it. Walked right out and was like, dude, you got to go. Balls. No, I think I think like there is a portion of that. Like you shouldn't go fucking make suggestions, but also you should make friends. You know because they will keep you around, and you never know. Like you no, know, I was bad at that stuff. I was. I was. I'll, I'll admit that. I've always heard the the term like uh, the toes that you step on today might be connected to the ass you have to kiss tomorrow. So be careful. Like ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's so a solid like, piece of advice. I think, I think that that's important. You just try to make friends with everybody. You never fucking know, man. Like and plus, like be a good person. You know, like that's part of it. You know? Yeah, don't, don't do it for your own self, but also do it just because like you're a good person. No, I, I, which I feel I am. I've never used anybody or wanted to right. use anybody. But, but, I, but I definitely also, that was... also goes to like you, what you were saying though. You're like you don't want to step out and do that because you feel like because you're a good person. You don't feel like it's like shitty in a way to like you know. Now, some people have that where they're able to. I remember I've, I've told this to Chris Red's face, and he always liked it as a compliment that I'd given him. I'm like, Chris, you're one of those dudes. You meet you once. You feel like you've known him for a year. Right. And I remember meeting Chris Red in like 2011, 2012. And I think the second time I met him, we were doing the handshake. Right. Hard. I remember like, oh, cool. We're at that level yeah. now. And it felt normal. It felt right. right. It didn't feel like, who's this guy and trying he, to get close to me or and whatever. And he just got the Alec Baldwin roast. Yeah, he's doing the roast of Alec Baldwin on Comedy Central. That's going to be, yeah, Chris Red's a great dude. So That's awesome. Yeah, some people are like, fuck yeah, good for their success. But it also makes sense, too. You, you see people um, getting noticed by industry. See, I think my whole thing has always been... And it was it was my gripe for a while because I I would scratch my head going whenever I'm in front of an audience I do I know I could do I know I could kill as hard as anybody else right. I just know that mm-hmm. obviously I'll have sets like anyone else that go to shit but I know you put me up in you could put me on a lineup with all these people and it's this great audience nobody will say that guy didn't belong right and I meant that I remember when I was in L A that I 
held true to that. Of course. I fucking held my own against that. I did a show with fucking, at the Laugh Factory Hollywood where I went up in between Godfrey and David Tell. Yeah. And when people were walking out, they go, never heard of you, liked you better than both. Yeah. And that's not a knock on them. They might have been doing new material. Of course. They weren't. But like, you know, they're, they're great dudes, by the way. David Tell, Bummy Smokes. Godfrey was fucking hilarious because we both were Chicago people, so we were right. talking about Chicago shit. It's actually funny with Godfrey. We were standing outside the Laugh Factory. You know, for those of you who don't know, Laugh Factory in LA is right there on the Sunset Strip. Um, and we were talking, he was like, so being married, man, because, you know, he's just picking my brain about being married. I'm like, ah, you know, I was giving like positives of being married. And as I'm saying this, the two like gorgeous women, I mean, LA 10s, right. which in every other city are, are 20s, 15s, yeah, 15s right, and right, 20s, yeah. just un- unreal. They walk by and I'm just, I'm just totally like, stop talking to him, looking at them. And I turn back and I'm like, so what was that? And he just grabs me, like, you motherfucker, <laughs> like, you're trying to sell me on this shit. And then your eyes were, I'm like, hey, like, you know. A fucking piece of art walks by you're gonna look at it what am i dead you know so yeah so great like you know i i knew i belonged in that realm but where i got so frustrated with about la and i did like it i don't really regret much about it and if i would have stuck it out longer who knows but i was i feel stronger in chicago i'm like right. was that superman stronger by that certain the, the, yeah, like yeah. the sun or the <laughs> yellow sun of the earth makes him better i don't know i feel that way in chicago chicago just home. batman and superman today <laughs> yeah man I'm, you know, who says i'm not a nerd is that I would I would get frustrated because I'm like, where is this industry I heard so much about? You know, at the time well, I think it was, going to clubs. Man. They did yeah. the timing of it was brutal for me. I moved out to LA in the beginning of 2014, mm-hmm. and I was there from 2014 to halfway into 2017. And during that stretch, I feel like festivals became even bigger ground yeah, for scouting, yeah. way bigger than they were before. Before there was a few festivals here or there, and it was just whatever. They weren't the thing that they've become now. Right now, there's more than ever. And and they these festivals want industry because the more industry they get their festival, the more comedians submit. Right. And it is a racket in a way. You know, it's almost like travel sports for grade school kids nowadays, where it is such a way to just make money off people. They get all these open mic comedians giving fifty bucks a pop and hopes that maybe they'll pick me. And yeah, they look through them and they pick them. Although I submitted to one festival in which I know they did not watch the whole fucking clip. They watch about 28 seconds of it because I know it because I, I uploaded it specifically to submit to that festival so I have YouTube analytics. And I even sent them a message going, you didn't watch my shit. Got my money back. All right. And it was a back and forth. I'll tell you off air. I will I will say, though, okay, my friend uh, Mike Albanese, he's a New York comic. He's great. I, he, I know the name. He runs Red Clay Comedy Festival Is in Atlanta. Is he a guy? Mm-mm. Oh, no. Somewhere else. He All runs right. Red Clay Comedy Festival in Atlanta. And he does take uh, submissions. He told me that he never breaks even on his comedy festival, and he, oh, really? he loses money every year. But he does it because he loves it. And oh, that's good. He, gets, he has sponsors. He has everything, like all call sponsors, everything. And I went to it. Um, I think two years ago, I went to it. It was a great festival. Like he, I got to see. I just got to meet so many fucking people that were up and coming that I didn't know of. But he's a comic that runs it. He's a comic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think like that part is definitely part of it that he is a comic that runs it. But and these comics are smart to run it because it gets their name out there. Ramon he, Rivas was running shit in Cleveland. It's due to Price for honestly people people don't know that Mike runs the comedy festival. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he's, he's, about he's that, like behind the scenes with it. He but he gives a shit and uh, like this year, Abby Sanchez is going down there to do it. There's uh, very deserving. Yeah, and there's there's a, he. I think like uh, Maria Bamford's headlining. There's a bunch of people. He, he just he always has. Really, uh, the year I went, it was like uh, Nikki Glaser, Rory Scoville, a couple other people. And no, I'm not. I'm not knocking festivals as a whole, but I know that I think part of the reason the industry goes to them so much, and that these, I know if I'm running a festival, if I'm a producer, I want industry to come because then more comedians are going to submit. Yeah, and and you get a better talent pool to pick from, I suppose. Right? 
Um, I've done some of these festivals. Some of them are really fun. Um, a lot of them are fun because you're hanging out with comedians. It's almost like summer camp. Or that's whatever. what I, it's, I think. I think that's all it should be. I think when you're going to a festival, you should look at it like you're going to network with a bunch of comedians. And yes. You're just going to hang out. You're going to get to know people. You know, like like I said, I went down there and I saw like I met Joel Nicole Johnson. I don't know if you know her, but she's a great New York comic and. She, I met Mia, uh, Mia Jackson. She's great. I met a shit ton of people that I'm just like cool with now that are all like Mia Jackson just opened for fucking Schumer for a whole year. Like, oh, nice. And Joelle's done like late night with Seth Meyers and like she writes on, she's just like blown up. Yeah, so I think like, I know the name Joelle, I think. There, there's just familiar. like, there's a bunch of people that I met down there that I wouldn't have met if I wasn't there. So I think that that part's important. You know, you just go down and you meet a bunch of people because. I think in this industry, a lot of times you're going to get more jobs from comics than any other thing, you know, like more comics are going to recommend you for things and be like, Oh, this dude's funny. Like that's what you're talking about with the seller. It's the same idea. Like this guy's funny. You should look at him. Yeah. No, him. I like that. I like that path. Yeah. And I, I think, I, I think I, that's like smart path and whatever there's, well, it's cool about stand up, or what about, or any industry that's in the entertainment industry is there's no one path. And like you mentioned the internet before, and I mentioned the internet. That's what's really cool about the internet is it's breaking it. So it's like, oh, no, there's so many more paths. Yeah, there's so, tons of paths. You yeah. Can, you and, can do whatever you need to do. You can be fucking famous on TikTok. Yeah. I still don't even know what TikTok is, really. It's like people do music videos, but they're like eight seconds long or something. You got to get on TikTok. Everybody, what, everybody's what is, on TikTok now. It's you know why I never wanted thing. to do TikTok? Because they had the worst advertisements ever for TikTok. They would have these videos that yeah. would pop up on my Twitter feed or on my Instagram feed. Those hot girls or whatever. They, some of them weren't hot. There's one girl wearing like clown makeup, and she's like, doing like this stupid thing and there's i'm like this is the whole and there's like one guy where it's like like this really chubby kid not that i'm just saying that so people could remember what i'm talking about i'm not, I'm not fat shaming the kid but this this chubby dude who was like doing chubby anymore i don't think you can you can't really? say anything anymore if you look like us brian he was doing like uh and then he was doing and then it was like i was overlapping and i'm like this seems like the dorkiest shit i've ever seen it's people by themselves in a room trying to it just it it's seemed the new, dumb it's the new vine it is the new vine that's for sure i've i've heard people equate it to and that. how many people got famous from vine you know like look at logan paul now ugh Sure, you go. Ugh, you say ugh, but his bank account yeah, doesn't say ugh. He's huge though. He's fucking rich as all fuck, the kids. Dude. My nephew's got all his shit. Of course, and oh. this dude just was in fucking Cleveland or some shit or Akron, one yeah. of those places. Well, people Ohio, don't just... realize though. It's so funny to me, and so when you, when YouTube stars first became a thing, every comedian hated them, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's basically it was out of jealousy. Because it was like you took a shortcut. That's what they viewed it. But really, it's yeah. not a shortcut. Yeah, it's a new lane. It's just a new lane. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, it's also they're not trying to do stand up. They're not. Yeah. They're not at all. So, they're, but but even though even actors I know and and people other pe- people in general. How about I this? Like I was with Jeremy Piven this weekend, right? And uh, not to name drop, no. But Jeremy Piven came by and did the club. No, I did. The, I opened for him last year, Laugh Factory. Right. How was he? Was he nice? So so like last year was at the Laugh Factory was his first weekend on the road i believe i could be wrong but i'm pretty I think it sure was. No, it, it was, was his first weekend on the road he told me and bozeman it was nicest guy ever like super fucking nice um he did 25 minutes per show you know trying trying to fucking do stand-up right he came by uh i work for zanies now he came by zanies and he did um a th- i think he did thursday and he did saturday 11 15 he did probably 15 minutes on bullshit because he was doing the vic in between right yeah okay he d- and he did the vic um, he, I think he sold out the Vic, which is great for him. Um, this guy's gotten better at stand-up, and it's really cool to see that he's taking it serious. Yeah, and that's that's what I respect. Like anybody that this okay, he did not. You're talking about Jeremy Piven. He just did the Vic the night before, and then he came and did the 11:15 show on a fucking Saturday, 
as zanies. Which he did not need to do. At all. In the no. summer. In, in the, the summer, summer. Which is you a know, tough like yes. it's, it's a tough, tough spot to do. And he just, he loves stand-up that much. That That's he, a tough spot for a season pro. Of course. And he came by and he did fucking well, man. Like, he had, and some of the jokes were the same, but he had added tags to it. And he had fucking approached it differently. So it was cool to just watch it, watch what he did now, you know. And I knew he was I, taking it seriously when I worked with him at Laugh Factory. Because myself and Chris Bader and... Kevin Bozeman were opening for him that night, and when we were upstairs in the green room hanging out, first of all, time out, time out, time out. To put, to be anybody, right? That's new in comedy, and to put you, Chris Bader, and Kevin Bozeman in front of you is fucking hard. It's hard to. He did actually say like, "Hey, great set, maybe a little too great." Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) it's it's fucking. Dude, your audience connected with me. But what kind of what kind of balls does that take? No, it does. Yeah, and he, I know for a fact, he approved everybody that went up himself. Like before, they like he saw the clips of the people and that those are the people he chose to go up and he was picking our brains afterwards which is what i liked right he told he gives, us he gives us why shit. he got into it because you know some people are going to assume oh you got into it because th- this wasn't working and you're like this is a new avenue or whatever he was like i did some stand-up at some charity event yeah and i really oh, i was like this is a different rush and he's and best into friends it and, he's best friends with brian callen yeah so like brian callen's done stand-up for fucking 25 years now so it's like he gets to look at that and like okay like i like what he does and i want to fucking be a part of this this is like it's fun you know and yeah, he's get, obviously very funny you don't win emmys playing that character without knowing what what is funny right and he definitely seemed to he asked us about a couple things and you could tell he was soaking stuff in. So I give him credit for that too. I just comedians, we're all just we're all fucking weird. I sometimes I talk about comedians like I'm not one, because I feel like I'm in a. I was in a weird spot where when I started doing stand up, I still held on to my friends outside of stand up. Yeah, because that was important to me. Well, you're from here. I'm too. from here, so, so I helps. had that. Yeah, yeah. But even in LA, I ended up making friends with people who weren't in the industry and mm. being like, I want to hang out with you a little bit more. Because well, I was always one of those people where I'm like, I don't want to talk about work all the time. Yeah. You know, as much as I love hanging out with comedians, are the best. That's but, why uh, it bugs any girl that dates me because I talk about fucking comedy all the time. So it's like they're like, okay, like relax, <laughs> like stop, chill. Does out. it really? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It fucking takes over my brain. Don't they know it's foreplay to you? Damn it! Don't they know <laughs> that you're just getting the mood set? It's annoying. I'm sure. Yeah, that's. But it is what it is. You know, I I just. So I, I just started at Zany's uh, in Chicago. I don't know if you want to talk about that. I was going to segue into it a little Se- bit better, but that's fine. <laughs> no, but, like, it, it, it is that's the same fine. thing. Like, it's just no, ta- no, it, it's takes, just... it takes over my brain, and that's literally, like, I go to bed thinking about it, I wake up thinking about it, and that's all I fucking think about is how I can make this place better. And it's annoying. It's annoying to, I'm sure, anybody that talks to me, but it's all I fucking think about. And that's kind of how, like, especially when it's someplace new. When I, when I started, I worked... I don't know. You want to go? I don't know. Segway into I'll set it up for you. No, now <laughs> the cat's already out of the bag. I really was segwaying into it. I remember going like, this is going to be perfect because I'm going to say this one or two things and then go right into it. See, I do think I had a little this bit. This is the best segue yet. Easily. So I was going to say this. I know you from Laugh Factory. I know you before Laugh Factory, really, because you were a fan of uh, Comedians You Should Know. Thank you, you for worked saying as that. The I wasn't sure if you there. Would, like, I, no, would, you, I wasn't sure if you would remember me at Comedians You Should Know, but I would go there. I mean, I started going there in 2010, and you guys, like, had the best show in the city and I fucking loved it. I mean, I went, I probably went two times a month. It was every Wednesday, but I'd go two times a month and I would bring groups of people every time, like, because I loved it. And I was in school at that time and I would just bring my classmates, anybody I knew from Chicago, I'd bring minimum eight people every time because yeah. it was just such a fucking fun show. Thank you for that. We, um, you know, if we had an argument over who, what producers did the most work, a few producers would probably say, uh, Joe, you didn't do as many as these two or three. But the two things I instilled, I think, are a big part of why the show is successful. Um, the after party thing, 
setting up the pre-show music, a lot of stuff like that. I think I that yeah. was some of the that's stuff. That's all I the little shit that people. Little don't sh- I brought. Realize. I got rid of every bar stool because yeah. when we first started, we weren't selling out, and there'd be people sitting at the bar and being talkative because they right. thought they weren't part of the show. Of the next week, every stool was gone, and someone's like, "What'd you do with them?" I'm like, "I shoved them in a fucking closet." And I, I said this one. You said a good piece of advice earlier about that the toes you um, step on today might be the ass you kiss tomorrow. I equated it to how do you get a kid to eat their vegetables? It helps when there's nothing else on the plate. Yeah. How do you get an audience to pay attention? Make it so there's nothing else to pay attention right. to. You know. Now we have the stools back, but we've set up the show and we've carved it out. People fucking know. People know. Anybody that shows up there that's going to talk, like it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You fucking know now. Yeah. Where at that time. This was our first year there when the room was set up differently. Mm-hmm. You remember? Because you were there before the remodel, mm-hmm. right? So I thought that was a good move. Anyhow, though, you um, – see, this is where I was going to set it up. Though. I was going to say I – even, I even went to when you guys did it at a different location for a little while. Yeah, we did it. FG, what, was it what was it called? Um, PJ like O'Rourke's. PJ O'Rourke's. PJ O'Rourke's yeah, yeah. for like uh, three weeks because there was, they was were doing the remodel. Upstairs? It was upstairs yeah. a couple blocks down the How road. that? Huh? That's how Dude, OG I am. You are very OG. <laughs> what I was going to say is I love talking comedy with you. Because not only you you have your foot in the comedy world, obviously you work in comedy, but you are also very keen to what Joey America wants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what I've been thinking about a lot more lately. And that's where with some people I'd say, no, go to New York because I, I look at their style of comedy. Right. Where if some people's style of comedy, I think go to L.A. because right. L.A. is the industry is so like the Hollywood industry where they're just like, oh, you know, you're a bisexual Eskimo. I could sell that. You know called, what I mean? I first mean, of all, hey, they're called Inuits now. You're not allowed to say Eskimo anymore. Uh, I just got canceled. I just got fucking canceled. But, like, you know what I mean? And I'm a very progressive guy, but some of this shit, it's like, fuck off. But it's just, it's it's exhausting. And, and other, but then I'm, when I talk to people who are like, why can't I say this word anymore? It's like, because you're a fucking meathead. Right. Learn, evolve. Yeah, yeah. But then when I'm with the other people who are like, um, my pronouns are um, not even they or them. They're it and I or like you know some people who go like too fucking I feel far like, I feel it's like, like my, it. I feel like that with music a lot like I'm like oh fucking like how my parents were with music or like whatever like my parents were pretty cool but like you know my grandparents whatever they're like well, you shouldn't listen to this what the fuck are you doing blah blah it's the same thing with how everybody you know prone everything it's the same way you need to like just adapt like be part of it why the fuck are you fighting it no i don't it's i gonna, definitely don't think people should fight it it's gonna happen no matter what with or without you so you can fucking sit on the outside and be an asshole or, or you could f- or... go with it and just be cool like fuck it like what the fuck is it doing to you no you i know? agree i agree especially with pronoun stuff like Everything, that yeah yeah when i hear an old man being like i'll call you whatever the fuck it's fuck right. off you're being a dick yeah because you're being a dick Stop saying Oriental. We get it. Yes. If someone <laughs> did, I tell the story about my dad saying Oriental on this podcast. No. So I, I have cousins who are half Asian. Yeah. You know, and um, my dad was talking about something, and my dad's a pretty progressive dude for sixty four. He said something like, "Oh, you know, we're playing, you know, we're golfing at this course, but you know, we got stuck behind this group of Orientals, and they're taking forever." You know, <laughs> and my uncle, who married an Asian woman, said, "We, you don't say Oriental anymore." Yeah. And my dad. This is a family party. I wasn't there. I was living in LA at the time. And my dad goes, my Asian, half-Asian cousin told me the story, but my dad goes, what do you mean I don't say Oriental anymore? What else am I supposed to call someone who's from the Orient? <laughs> <laughs> and then they look at my aunt, who's Asian, and then she goes, I can't argue with that logic. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> she wasn't offended. She wasn't mad about it. She was like, all right, yeah, it works. I get it. Why not? And his whole thing was that this part may be, it's not racist. It's a fact, though. Anyone's ever golf knows this shit. When you go golfing, if you end up behind a foursome of Asian guys, it's going to take longer. It is. Now, someone might be like, dude, what are you fucking saying? Asians are slower? No, I'm not saying that. The opposite I'm... is the airport, by the way. They're very quick. If the you airport, get behind yes. the Asian at the airport, it's very, very quick. Very fast. 
But do you know why they're slow on the golf course? Why is that? Asians love to gamble. Mm. So there's no gimme putts. Right. When you play golf with a group it's of four friends and, and you putt the ball and you're four inches from the hole, your buddy who's tending to the pin, I fucking hit myself in the mouth, your buddy who's tending to the pin will just knock the ball in for yeah. you or kick it back to you because it's a gimme. It's four inches away. We know. Why am I going to let you fucking come over here and hit it in? It's, you're taking too much time. It's a public course. They don't do that shit. Because they're gambling, yeah. so every fucking stroke adds up. James, you're looking at me. Looking this is where James. You're, no, it's you think real. This I went, you could be listen, listen, I, I know. I know that Asians gamble because I went to Hong Kong. I spent like three that's not even a negative. They gamble. Does I that went, mean that should, no, they, they went, should be on a watch list? I went, no. I went to three weeks in Hong Kong. I spent three weeks in Hong Kong because my brother used to live there, and right next to it is Macau. Macau gets seven times the revenue that Vegas does. Holy yes, shit. they fucking love gambling. There's it's what, insane. Um, Pagao. What's that? There's some, there's a few specific games that, are, that yeah. their culture invented. Yeah. If you met an, an Asian guy, they would be like, oh, I'm it's, not offended It's competitive, that. Yeah. and that's why they're number one. If I said Irish people drink, <laughs> do I mean all Irish people? No, you know what I mean. If I, if I thought, look, not all Asians gamble, but some of them do, and the ones on the golf course 100% do. <laughs> Anyhow, though, I agree. Evolve. If you're some dude who's like, well, I don't believe in saying they, them, you're a dick. Right. You're being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. What and do you I, care what I someone's called? I fuck up with it, too. Like, I, I say her, him a lot, and I fucking, I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to like, I've work told on my that. friends like, to go by they, them, I fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Me, too. Me, too. Same I, had, like, I made and, it a joke. And, like, and, but a lot of times they're just like, you know, as long as you're trying, that's what fucking matters. And no, like, that's what they say. Yeah. They don't care. They, yeah. they, it, it's, it's, it's all about intent. Right. You know what I mean? Were you intending to be a dick? No, never. No, if it was a slip up, then yeah. So I agree with you 100% on that. But. Part of what the industry does, though, I think to myself, and, and take away what I just said about the PC shit. That doesn't matter at all. And when I made the whole joke about, like, oh, you're a bisexual Eskimo, I could do something with Inuit. you. Inuit. Know I mean? Inuit. A bisexual Inuit. <laughs> Is it really Inuit now? They don't like Eskimo? I think so, yeah. Why don't yeah. they like Eskimo? Eskimo sounds great. I don't know. Who it, do you want to fuck, Esk- an Inuit or an Eskimo? Eskimo does roll off the tongue. Nice. <laughs> it just does, yeah. right? So an Inuit, um, <laughs> a native Alaskan, whatever you want to be called, uh, that was just obviously I was going over the top. I was exaggerating to an effect. What I mean by that is the industry, and this goes the way, this way in the music industry too, is always they, they think they're ahead. They're not. They're a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. And they're lazy. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking about before about my frustration with L.A., I was like, all right, I don't, I don't get it. I'm doing – when I'm on stage, people in the crowd love it. But the people in the crowd are all going back to their day jobs. None of them are going back to WME or C or UTA or, or fucking wherever it needs to see me. No, no network executives are here. I need to get seen by them. All right, do this show. I'll do that show. Oh, nobody was here this week. So it was like a frustration right. in that sense because I believe in hard work. But it's like if I'm, if I believe in hard work with an end result. If I'm going to be busting my ass. I want to know that it's going to have a dividend or it's going to pay off at some point. So the industry that's, that's, is fads that's, though. They jump on fads. That's the fucked up part about being a stand-up, though, because you don't know. You don't, you don't know what know, your yeah. end result is. No, so you don't. It's like I don't even know what I want my end result to be, You're though. like, you're fucking working, you're working, you're like, I'm getting really fucking good, but, like, what the fuck does that mean right now? Like, I'm, I'm the best person that nobody knows. Well, that's where I flipped it. And you and I have also, what I like about you, too, is you and I have also had conversations about mental health-related yeah, stuff, course, right? Yeah. How, to, how to have a good mindset towards things. So... What has changed over? I still have these conversations with people, and I like having these conversations with people because it reinforces what I believe now mm-hmm. to look back on things that I thought were bullshit at the time. Right. I'm not saying I still think they're bullshit. They just are what they are. That's how it goes. But I also want to remind people that, oh, because the industry's pushing it does not mean it's right or wrong. They don't right. fucking know. They need eyeballs. So whatever gets them eyeballs, they throw shit at the wall that sticks. We see this with music. Oh, Nirvana's the big band. Where are they from? Seattle? Let's sign everybody who almost sounds like them. 
Same thing with the, Even though the I big like, comedians. I like Soundgarden more, but keep going. Sure, you, he works with Soundgarden, <laughs> but that works with any band. Oh, Fall Out Boy is a big hit band. Let's let's sign twelve bands. There's like, what's that band, Illumineers, that came out a couple years ago? Mm. I I remember hearing them. It was like, this is fine. It's not really for yeah. me. Whatever. Yeah. Every time I went to an alternative radio station, every other band sounded like them. Every other band had too many members. Yeah. And would have someone in the background going, "Hey, hey," you know what I mean? Like, fucking yeah. dudes. Why is there fucking seven tambourine players? Just like shit like that, where you're like, "Oh, this is because the industry is lazy." Mm. That why do you think everything is sequels and remakes now? Facts. Why is everything nostalgic now? Nostalgia is huge right now. If you could tap into that, anyone listening right now, if you're in business, tap into nostalgia. You'll fucking you'll thank me for your second house. Nostalgia jokes. If you're a comedian, work like a motherfucker. My first jokes were all nostalgia jokes, but guess what? They were okay because I was 22. Right. So when I'm 22 doing jokes about recess and Simon Says and Duck Duck Goose, it's fucking big. I had a Saved by the Bell joke that destroyed. Of course. It was the third joke I ever wrote. Did you make a T-shirt? I should have. <laughs> no, I'll tell you the joke real quick, everyone, because I can't find it anywhere in film, and I'm never going to start telling it again. Well, wait. Before you tell it, I wanted to bring this up to you earlier. This is what Brian Kellen brought up in a podcast that I listened to that I think is very, very smart that you should do is that everything that you've, like all the albums that you've done, you should refilm those same bits and put them out because I think that nobody heard him you know you're like, right so nobody you, did you made all these fucking you have great fucking material you have how many you got two albums now yeah so you got two albums i'm not saying nobody heard him but nobody heard no him. no i no so, you're right nobody heard them so it's, it's like you, you have you have fucking two hours worth of material right yeah. that you could just go up to fucking whatever chuckle hut and fucking tell these same jokes and film it and then put it out on your fucking Instagram or YouTube or whatever. The same exact bits that you've already recorded. It doesn't fucking matter. Nobody, one, nobody's going to know them. You're and right. And you can fucking He's put, right. you can put them out and then everybody will see them, you know? And that, that is like, you don't have to worry about this new material that you've already, that you've, you've created that you're like, okay, this is the, these hours that I really need to fucking build. When you got all this right here that you've already done that people have been seeing. That's a great call by both you and him. I was thinking about something like this. So on my YouTube channel, when you go there, the featured video is this oral sex joke Mm -hmm. that is off my first album. I only put it on YouTube for the first time like four months ago. I remember telling myself in 2019, I'm going to really dedicate myself to getting my YouTube channel going. And I've been very happy since releasing my latest album as a special on YouTube. It's doing really well. And I've been, I've gotten like a thousand YouTube subscribers in like two and a half weeks. So that's, I think that's a big number. Congratulations. Thank you. That it's a huge number. And it's really changed my mindset towards some stuff. And I'll get to that in one second. But the oral sex joke that's really taken off, it went from like, it's grown so much. It's got 130,000 views now. I only put it up like four months ago or so. But really, of the 130,000 views, 120 to 120,000 of those views have been within the last three weeks or so. That's great. Since I started putting out the special, because the specials brought people to the channel. When you go to the channel, that's the featured video. And 97, 98% of the comments are like super, like, positive oh my god you're fucking hilarious how come i'm not just just deciding you you should be on netflix we fucking love you and there are all these great comments do you have your instagram handle in every single yeah yeah okay and um and i've actually seen a couple people start to find me on instagram it's not that great a turnover i remember one person wrote like you're fucking hilarious and then I saw that and like comment thank but just you like on YouTube. We're, and we're, then I went over to Instagram and then I saw they, were, they started following me because they had the same handle on both. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like we talked about though, with, like Gary Vee said, like stick with that lane. Like whatever you like, like stick with it. Yeah, know? I agree. I agree with that. So what was interesting though about the oral sex joke is that night I forgot a line in the joke. Mm. The joke still works. It's, a five, it's almost a six minute joke. And there's a line I typically do, but for some reason that night I just, I don't know if the audience is rolling too much. I just skipped it, went to the next line. And there's the, a couple of the comments have been because the jokes basically about how 
going down on a guy should have the word job in the title because going down on a guy is easier. Or no, going down on a woman should have job in the title. I'm sorry. Going down on a woman should have job in the title because going down on a woman is harder than going down on a man. And every now and then there's people where it's like, well, I'm bisexual. I think going down on a guy is easier. And it's like, well, I can't comment on all of them being like, you're a fucking idiot. Here's, let me explain why. And also it's a joke. Right. But the one line I miss is I talk about another reason why it's hard to go down on a woman. And I keep thinking to myself, damn it, if I could re-record that and put it out there, but I can't because this joke's already took off. I can't take down a 130,000 clip joke to be like, oh, hey, all you 130,000. Same joke, but another line right. that the... Four percent of you who don't like the joke will now like the joke because of this line. Just that let you're it Chris- go. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, this keeps you up at night. There's no, it's just something I thought about earlier with some stuff, though. But yeah, I've been, I, I'm sitting on a lot of content, so that's why I've been really yeah, you, pumping I mean, on you Instagram. Have all, you have it, all dude. these hours, right? So like now, go to these clubs and fucking bring up some old shit that you had that still would work, you know, and filter them in and film it, and then there you go. Like yeah. I mean, I think that that that's a Brian Callen brought that up. I was like, damn, that's fucking smart because he was talking about his man class. I, uh, I don't know if you ever seen a special man class. It's great, but it, it didn't get any traction. You know, it's yeah. a great special. So he's like, you know, I'm going to fucking film these up and just put them up on social media. Smart. Yeah. No, very smart. It was, it was his podcast, uh, the fighter and the kid. Yeah. Can we get some ice for yeah. this whiskey? It was fighter and the kid in which I saw, um, Andrew Schultz and him talk about releasing his like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I tell people it was like Gary V slash Andrew Schultz inspired with like how to use social media to like, and I was mentioning before when people get bitter about, and I was complimenting you. Sorry. I got a couple of things here. I'm fusing together as thoughts. I was complimenting you because you have your foot in the, in comedy, but you also know what the mainstream's into. So I've talked about like, I, try, oh, I don't know you, if I do, but, yeah, I, but I think more I than more than a lot of the people I talked to, because I remember bringing up to you once saying, oh, comedians hate it when people Instagram a picture of a tweet. Yeah, and you're like, well, comedians don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right. Look at the people who do it. And yeah, see how well, well they're that's, doing. That's the idea of like, I think I told you just like the idea of playing to the back of the room. Yeah, like, stop, stop, do. stop playing to the back of the room on social media. Nobody gives a fuck about the, like all your comic friends. They're gonna make fun of you from whatever the fuck you're posting. Sure, fine, but all these other people, they like it, and those people aren't comedians, and they don't fucking know. Yeah, they basically, do like, what you like doing, yeah. and give up. Who gives a fuck what your coworkers yeah. think? You, like, if you're doing stand up, are you playing to the back of the room, or are you playing to the audience? You know, like you can you can play to the back room all day and you can make every comic laugh and you can be amazing for that. And comics will like you and comics will respect you. And that's great. And that's part of like being a comedian is being respected by your peers. But at the end of the day, like that shouldn't be your goal. Your no, goal, no. your goal should be to make everybody else laugh. Yeah. You know, because the hardest person to make laugh is another comic, you know? And yeah. most, most of the time they're in the back of the room talking to each other and they're not even listening to what the fuck you're saying. Oh, totally. And they're going to get off, tell you a good set. They're gonna say good set. Yeah, they didn't hear they might hear last one. They didn't hear what the fuck you yeah, said. I mean, every now so, and then, you'll hear someone be like, "Oh, you, let me give you a tag for this." Right? You know? um, yeah, because I just laugh at when people. So many comedians pride themselves on being like punk rock, and then they rip on people who became famous on the internet. To me, they, that's the most punk rock. And when like, you think about it. And I love and I love Doug Stanhope, but he gave everybody this idea that they can do that. When it's not, not everybody true. can. It's no, not, not true, everybody can. Know? And but. Everybody can do it maybe in a different way. Yeah. But not everybody can be Doug Stanhope. You know, like Doug Stan he was Doug Stanhope, you know, yeah. and that he also had a shit ton of industry behind him too. So he it's did. Not, he had industry before. He had right. industry up until I heard the story about Doug Stanhope was this. He was with Levity Entertainment, who owns like I don't know if they they own a piece. I don't know if they own own. But they, they own a, a piece. Of yes, they own a piece of all, the improvs and the funny bones. Right. Which are funny bones and improvs, people listening across America are a popular chain of comedy clubs. Yeah. 
And they and have Levity Live. They have Levity Live now, so which they're just only putting their own name yeah. on. And for a while, they were producing shows on Comedy Central, so mm-hmm. they would produce a show like Live at Gotham. That, that was one of their shows they produced. They would, young comic, they like, all right, we're going to give you a five-minute spot on Live at Gotham. Now you have a TV credit. Now we're going to start headlining you at some of our clubs. Yeah. So not only did they get money from putting them up, but they rep them, so they get that money. They own the club, so they get the money the club makes. So they were just a smart business plan. Yeah, you know, smart, yeah. very smart. And um, and Doug Stanhope came to them one day. He was one of their clients and said, "I don't want to perform anywhere that has steak knives." Is <laughs> that specific? And he's like, "They're like, wait, what?" He's like, "Anywhere that has steak knives, I don't want to perform at." And they're like, "Well, that's all our clubs." And he goes, "Exactly." Yeah. And they're like, "Well, we can't do anything for you." And then they that was the end of their relationship because he basically was saying, "I don't want to fucking be with you guys anymore." Well, I'll tell you one thing though. Like I've seen Stanhope ten times probably. And a lot of times I saw him at Reggie's on the yeah, south side. South Reggie's rock, and so it's a rock club. I saw my bottom lounge here. I'll tell you what. I don't remember a single Stanhope joke, but I can tell you I remember that I stood the whole time and I didn't like standing for the whole show. Yeah, I just stand so, when I saw him once too. So it's like you have to like put those into perspective too. I I, I remember I love Stanhope. I know that Junior Stopko have been up for him. I know that Stanhope's great. I couldn't tell you a single joke from his set. But I tell you, I remember fucking standing the whole time and how much it bugged me. There you go. So you so. have to like think about it like that too. Like there, there's the comedy club. I'm not saying it's a necessity, and a lot of people have ideals like where the comedy club is going and like what's going to happen in ten years and if our comedian's going to need the club anymore. Like especially like headlining clubs, is that going to exist? Like are we? Is the is I think changing? I think we'll need the clubs. I think I think for sure that the clubs, especially showcase clubs. Those are a necessity because you're going to work out bits, you know? And I think that if you're a fucking club that is a headliner club, you need to do everything the right way because every comedian talks, every comedian talks on podcasts, social media. It's way more than it ever. It's not yeah. like, it's not like it was 10 years ago. So now you need to provide the best experience possible for every comedian that's coming into your club. If you're a headliner club, you need to fucking anything that you can do that is different than any other club that whatever they're doing because they're all going to talk how many times you're a comic how many times have you heard that comedy club on state in madison is the best club in the country every all the time all the time yeah it's a great club dc great. improv like there's a lot of these clubs where you're just the like fucking Holy comedy shit. works in denver yeah like, comedy works in denver gets right. a lot of love acme in minneapolis yes. you hear the, you hear these same clubs yeah they and take care appleton in wisconsin skyline club in appleton like they switch owners and the new owners are still great too. Yeah. They had a Nintendo Super Nintendo Mini in the green room. See? And it's, a dog. How 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 ridiculous. It's all this a Super Nintendo Mini. How much do you think that costs? 100 bucks at the most? At the most. I yeah, think I don't know what it costs. Now. So talking, that, I think, but yeah. $100 to do something that comedians are going to tell other comedians about and then they're going to talk about that in other like other areas like, "Oh, this place is fucking great. This place is great." So that's what you need to do if you're a comedy club. That's how me you, and the headliner were switching control. Like he would play while well, I was featuring. Yeah, he was playing the game and then would pause it, and then like when we would, I would come back in during. Who's about to go up? And he's like, I'm on level seven. All right, cool. I'll take over from there. Like yeah. we're playing like Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, little stuff like it's that. Little, it's amazing. It's little shit. Always that, the little stuff that you fucking remember, and that's that's how you keep a club going. Because like, that's uh, how you keep anything going. Give a fuck. I tell people like, give care. a fuck. Show up a little bit earlier. Do the, the extra work. Just look around and think to yourself, is this 100% ready? Yeah. You know, I'd rather deal with someone neurotic, but everything's right, than someone who's just like, oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I I have had a friend that I I used to work with on some stuff where he's great visuals. Like, he has great ideas, but the execution would always kill me. And we get into fights about it sometimes when we work together. 
And I'm, I'm, like, always, I'm like that too, though. Like, I, some of my execution is not as great as my ideas. Thanks for the ice, James. It's very fancy. But no, that's fine, though. But, but I mean, but at least you know that you could acknowledge that. Yeah, There'll be times I, where I'm I like, put, hey, the show's about to start, and you're out here smoking cigarettes. It's like, oh, I thought everything was fine. I'm like, dude, it's game day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you're great during practice, but game day, I need you to fucking show that, up, man. That side of it, I do very well. Give a like, fuck how well you train. If you get your ass knocked down the first round, you get your ass knocked down the first right. round. You saw like how I made a fucking uh, combat sport reference for you? I like that. like that shit? Thank you. Um, James, you could add to this. I was going to say this, and then we're going to segue to Jan- uh, Brian's great new job that we've been teasing for fucking way yeah, too long. Yeah, Jesus. Um, you're a punk rock fan, correct? Yeah. Or at least that mentality, too, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. So when I, Underground. And again, like you were talking about different paths. Stanhope made people believe this path was a path that could work. I'm really starting to push YouTube and podcasting, all that stuff. It might not work at all for me, but I'm, I'm it's go- already going working for it. Yeah, it's well, it already is. Yeah, I'm you feeling good about it. You the proof is in the well, you know what I like about YouTube is the pe- people when they see me like me. So 130,000 people have seen this one clip, and the fucking comments are 95% people like me. Good. Which is, you ask any comedian, 95% of people like you, you're going to be like, fuck yeah, I'll take yeah. that. For every nine comments that are great, there's one that's like, well, I thought this was stupid. And then you hold on to that one. Real quick, too. And then you look them up on fucking, you got friends at the database and <laughs> police departments. Their parents and you find out, yeah, Real quick, too, we got a comment from Abby. This is probably when you guys were talking a couple minutes ago. He said, never play to the back of the room. It took him five years to realize that once he stopped, he took off. Abby's correct. Yeah. Abby's smart. You mentioned that festival that Abby got into. I and Abby's going to be on HBO Latina. He's, yeah. Well, Let's you know, <laughs> Latinx. Sorry, Abby, he's, Latinx. He needs to, well, he, it's, he's trying to win a competition to do that. Well, he will. There you go. Positive I know, energy. I know, yeah. I know fucking people, and he's going to yeah. do it. No, I saw the rest of the people, and he's funnier than all of them. Yeah. The rest of them Mar- should, hey, the like, rest of them hey, should hey, be alive, let alone a fucking con- I don't First know of all, I'm not, I don't know who they are. No, no. I'm not, I'm not going to dis. I know Mark, I don't know I know who Mark Vieira. He's very good. I, I don't even know. Dude, I, Mark, dude, I love you. Comment. I don't know who the fuck he is. I'm just joking, guys. God damn it. What was your original? When you do a podcast during the day, people take you too seriously. At night, you guys know what I'm kidding. I don't even know the rest of them. No, I was saying about the punk rock mindset. they were all dead, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a hilarious death. <laughs> when I think about comics who have made comedians who don't like comics who have gotten big through social media or through other non-industry related channels, yeah, isn't it the most punk rock to be like, oh, I want to give a fuck about making these suits of like course. me. I wanted to make fucking America like me. So look, look, do I? Li- I don't like Logan Paul's content. I've only seen like two or three pieces of it, but he's right. douchey. Yeah, but I do. Go- I give the guy respect for being like, oh, I didn't. I didn't give a fuck what this guy at fucking Warner Brothers thought. I gave a fuck what these people thought. Yeah. And then these people liked it, and these people liked it. And now I have 7 million subscribers, and when I fart, it makes $8 million. Of course. So, yeah, I kind of re- – like, people hate Instagram models. They're the real – they're the most models. They're the best models. Yeah. yeah. Because there's someone who's like, look, I got a nice ass. What do you right. think, America? And America's like, heart? They're waiting for Victoria's Secret. No. They're not waiting for Victoria's yeah, Secret. I do myself. And they right. all have bikini deals with smart companies. I saw a thing today. Maybe you could pull it up. I saw a fucking thing today that said Mia Khalifa only made like $12,000. $12, yeah. yeah. That's how fucking porn addicted you are, huh? I, yeah. saw, yeah, no, I saw that tweet. I saw <laughs> that tweet, too. Stats, not how tips. the fuck did she only make that? But she people forget she did a fuckload of videos in a one-month period and then stopped. Yeah. She, yeah, she only made like star five long. or six or something, yeah. she said. And now she does what? Sports, right? She's on ESPN. I'm sure, she does a lot. Yeah. But dude, yeah. you know what, dude? Look, a lot of America is probably every, like, I'm gonna jerk off to an Arab. Like, every, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, ever all those memes were her, yeah. right? So no, I don't, I don't know if it was Arab. She's just pretty. She's no, she's pretty hot person, as fuck. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think yeah. she's sexy and she's smart too. But I think, you know, I'm not saying that's why. Uh, she was making it seem like, and she in her interview, I saw her say this. Her, in her response, she responded mm. to someone's tweet by someone talks shit, and she was basically saying like, I haven't shot a porn in five years she hasn't done a porn in five years and she's still like number and one she's still like top ranked yeah and but that she doesn't know how to monetize that apparently is really what the problem right. is there yeah. she needs Gary Vee 
She does. Well, you need to learn your business model. And I, I'll, last thing I'll say, we got to talk about your new thing because this is why I really wanted. I just, I, I love talking comedy with you, so we could go in a million different directions. It's since I'm doing well, the YouTube's going really well so far, and will continue to do so. It's made me change how I view, how I, like I wrote a new joke about gun control. Mm-hmm. Like I riffed it on stage at Laugh Factory, in a way where I'm like, oh my god, it it killed. And I've only done it twice. Because it just was a riff on last week, and I did another set where I was able to riff it. As a host, I was able to riff it. The first time I hosted, I'm like, I can't do this joke as a host. It's fucking a gun control joke, you know what I mean? Right. And then I did it the next night, and it fucking killed really hard. And it's a joke where I'm like, oh, this is like 99. A lot of the audience, is, a lot of people, no matter what side of the issue you're on, I think you're gonna dig this joke. Right. I want, I want to, I want to have it up tomorrow. Yeah. That's that's where my mindset is now. I'm not waiting to put it on a fucking album. I'm not waiting, and even so. If I put, say I put out 15 fucking brand new jokes on YouTube in the fall, you and know, you each week, album. I'll take and put them in on an album and then just release it like that. Yeah. There. You like my shit? It's another avenue in which you could find me. There's a guy called Blippy. He's a fucking kid's dude on YouTube. He's got like, he's worth $20 million. That's fucking insane. Yes. And he puts out kids videos on YouTube. Right. And he's got a lot of production on him now because they, he's got like a billion views on YouTube. It's insane how many views this guy has. Little kids go insane for him. At the end of the video, he'll be like, buy the Blippi coloring book. Of course. Hey, all the uh, Blippi songs merch. you like, you could download them on Apple. You could, And I'm like, that's like... Yeah. So basically, when I, I don't need to do all this same stupid shit that's outdated anymore. I just need to get the material into people's hands. Do you know Mr. Beast? That name I've heard of, but I don't you, know him. YouTube, pull it up right now. Pull, right. pull up YouTube, Mr. Beast. He's the fastest growing YouTuber. I, this was four months ago, so it might have changed in the last four months. To me, uh, what I've seen is he's the fastest growing YouTuber. This guy sells merch like a motherfucker, makes a ton of money. His videos are in, like, they're always like, uh, he built, like, uh, he's like, oh, will these 50,000 magnets stop a bullet? Like he does like, oh, he, he, like he does things like that. Like he built a fucking castle out of world's, cardboard boxes. World's largest game at dodgeball. I spent twenty four hours straight at Area fifty one. Yeah, he's how he's many how many subscribers? How many twenty two million? Okay, so when, last, last time I checked, he had seventeen million. He and started this was four four or five months ago. He had seventeen million. Okay. He's so been he's on like, since 2012, but no, it no, looks he like has, he has he's been on since 2012, but his shit didn't take off until like two years ago. Yeah, and th- so listen to this: the way that he, he he got he got fucking big was he got one of his. This is the video that took off for him. He counted, I believe, to a hundred thousand. He spent the amount of time sitting in a chair counting one, two, three, and he counted to a hundred thousand, right? And for some reason, that video took off. Because it's such a because people were thing. like, I gotta see if he gets to the end, right? And it was a it was a twenty. It, was, it took him like thirty six hours, but you can only I guess upload twenty four hours to YouTube. I'm not sure if that's yeah. right. Twenty four hours, yeah. So, uh, and he time lapsed it and put it up to twenty four hours, and that video got a shit ton of views, right? So then marketing companies hit him up and they're like, Hey, we want to give you either five or ten thousand dollars, whatever. So then he took that ten thousand dollars and he was like, What can I do with it? He goes, okay, I'm going to donate $10,000 to a homeless guy. I'm just going to walk up to a homeless guy that I see on the street, and I'm going to give him $10,000. That video went viral. Of course. Right? So it's just simple things like that. And then he's just built and built and built. And I believe still he's probably the fastest growing YouTuber that there is. He's got a lot of these uh, giving money to people. He gave fifty grand to Ninja to play Fortnite. Yeah, so that like because he knows Fortnite's really big, right? So then he's like, let me donate to Ninja's the biggest person on fucking 
whatever and he does PewDiePie like these biggest the biggest people that are on these these platforms and he donates money to them because he knows the, the, there's those are going to go viral because a lot of people are YouTubing like Ninja Fortnite and Ninja blah blah and then they see oh fifty thousand dollars okay fuck so he's just tapped into that fucking that sphere of what it is and he's growing exponentially like he he will have like probably the most followers soon like out of anybody dude i'm, I'm not subscribing on principle but no nah. <laughs> he's you know i i like him a lot and guess what he I'll, lives I'll subscribe he, to that. you know Why where not? he lives where but fuck north carolina see that, that's my point that was that goes back to some of the stuff i was talking about before now if he would have gone to hollywood and tried to like pitch himself they would go what's your brand how old is he what i don't know how old he is 22 it's 22 right Jesus so they would they would like they would, maybe 21 they would love that aspect of him they would love that part of him but they would definitely be like well you're doing this you're doing that let's narrow it that's what they always try to do. They want to narrow it. He has his own Snapchat channel, and it's featured on Snapchat every week. Yeah, I'm sure it's it is. It's the number one feature on Snapchat, and he just and it's it's literally old clips that he did four months ago on YouTube. He's putting up on Snapchat now. And that's it, another thing about these platforms. Now that I'm putting more videos on YouTube and more people are seeing them, it's because YouTube's rewarding me for using their platform. Yep. Yeah. YouTube's like, oh, this guy's putting up three clips a week, four clips a week. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna bump you up this shit. Yeah, we're gonna put you in playlists. It's we're gonna smart. put you up this. You know, um, that's where it's been really fun in that regard, uh, dude. Like, it's 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 making also, dude. With the uh, James knows this as a stamp comedian. I've asked James because we're you know we're putting my album into a special, but we're releasing like chapter one's the first four, right. track, chapter two's these three. I've changed titles to jokes to make the thumbnail pop. Yeah, one thousand percent. So my, my biggest thing right now is like I just uh, I'm helping out the. So I, I don't know. We haven't segued yet, but I'm I'm hanging out. Start, start talking about it. I can't. <laughs> I wanted to do a grand introduction, but I'm I'm no, over do that grand, too. Go, do How long are we going? Like two hours almost? Uh, an hour and a half. Hour and a half. All right, cool. Do you got time? You got we got time now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll cap. You know, we got time. Uh, so I started just doing the Instagram, and like one of the things I've noticed over time is that just whatever the fucking the thumbnail is, whatever the caption is that people see immediately, that gets more clicks. So I try to pick something that is more what you're going to click on whatever yes. it's like i got butt fucked you know like something like yeah. that it's as ridiculous as that is i changed the title of one joke the one joke was called uh, a better world yeah because i wanted no mystery. one's gonna look at that i wanted mystery which yeah. was for, for for like an album i thought mystery would be a better title for that because i didn't i was so stupid i'm like i don't want to give away the punchline mm. in the title i renamed it small dicks right it's doing great yeah it's doing better than the other tracks. Of course, on that. because it made me think, rethink all of this shit. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, I you gotta need to like make it so somebody wants to click on. Well, I know Burke Kreischer was cool, where he's like, it should be your name on a subject. So if I release the gun control joke, I'll just write gun control because gun control people want to click on. Right. Because like, oh, this is what the fuck is he gonna say? You know right. what I mean? But some other ones where I wrote, um, I can't like, it's hard being a straight white guy. I wrote that because I'm like, ooh, someone's gonna be like, what the fuck is he like? Right. Either angry people who disagree with right. me are gonna click on that, or people who agree right. are gonna click think, on it. So I got both sides. I think Robert Smigel said it best. Uh, did you watch that Dana Carvey show documentary yet on Hulu? <sighs> I saw some of it. Please, please watch yeah. that whole thing. It's I great. loved that show when I was a kid. But he said uh, basically, like all they had the same problem in the writers' room. Like all these people wanted to title their their shit like some mysterious thing. He's like, why would you hide your punchline for people? Mm. Just give the joke to people. He's smart. Yeah. No, he's 100% right. He was I think of all these the names 80s, of comedy shows, listeners who aren't in comedy, who are most of you actually, because I've gotten messages, um, <laughs> but I try to always relate it to like whatever their regular job yeah. is, you know, my, whatever the fuck you're into. Uh, stand-up comedians love doing a thing where it's like, let's name our show some stupid bullshit. Mm -hmm. The most successful shows in the city of Chicago 
over the last since I've been part of this city in comedy in comedy have had comedy in the title Chicago mm-hmm. Underground Comedy mm-hmm. comedians you should know mm-hmm. stand up stand up those have been like Chicago's f- best stand up Chicago's best stand-up. from working at Laugh I swear to God like uh, that yeah. that brought our SEO like just that. Chicago's no. best. Oh, it's the most searchable thing it's on searchable. Earth. Dude. It's searchable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that there's one. Like Lincoln Lodge, obviously, has done very well for right. itself. Parlor Car has their outside that right. box, but it helps. But it helps so much. Yeah, it helps so much. Well, in a world know? run by the internet, SEO is king. House of Blues so, like, does really well. They call it comedy cocktail. Yeah, right. it's a cocktail lounge. It's got con- like I don't. I, every now and then, I've had to yell at friends. I've had friends who are like, "I want to call it this." I go, "Fuck you! Yeah, don't yeah. call it that." Right. My friend Lindsay Adams wanted to call an open mic. Lindsay, I want you to hear this. She wanted to call an open mic. She was going to run in L.A. Oh, what the fuck was she going to call it? Buffalo Anonymous? Boo! Mm. No. Because there was a buffalo head inside the bar. No. I see And it, it was like. No, dude. I, like, I, I remember telling her, do not do that. It's really stupid. Please don't. Um, she, I mean, she's great. She knows she's great. But, like, anyway. All right. So, Brian, everybody, worked at the Laugh Factory. A big pioneer for why the Laugh Factory is amazing club the way it is dude i did did that club three times this past week every show was sold out including tuesday night at eight o'clock every show was fucking packed and that audience on friday at 10 o'clock was so good like you know it was a long show it was a two-hour show and it wasn't like everyone was pretty close to their time it was just we had a few guest spots and people out of town and they were with everybody to the end yeah the only time i did any material was in between calvin evans and Corey bell who were the last two comics because everyone's starting to write their checks out. And Corey's such a fucking force of nature, and she's so hilarious. Beast. She's a be- heavyweight. She's beast. a fucking beast. You know what I mean? And, like, champion. And I'm like, I don't want to bring her up to that. Right. So I did material during that yeah. time. But other than that, I was I did my shit up top, brought people up, brought people up, brought people up. With the give or take or give up for the your weight staff one more time. Because you got to do a little something as a host. Um, but it, we, we kept it pretty tight, and I don't think anyone went too long. And it was still two hours, and they were still fucking a great crowd. I appreciate you saying I was a part of that. That means No, you were, dude. You were a huge part of that. And you, along with guys like James, I like because you think about – you put the scene and the comedians before yourself. Yeah. I know you're also, though, really honest where you're like, yeah, you're going to have to go to L.A. or New York. I, but I know you would like it one day where people would never have to move. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I don't, I will everybody stay here. <laughs> that's why I'm excited about your new venture in which you are now the general manager of Zany's Comedy Clubs. Is that all three clubs? No, just one. I'm, I'm in Old Town right now. You're in Old Town yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. You were in Rosemont a week ago, though. Were you just checking shit out? I painted the green room, so the, pa- the green you room painted? is painted. It looks very nice yeah. in there. It was our Saturday. Thank what, you. With your couches and all that, too. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah, I redid the green room. <laughs> very uh, good job. They painted the green? Yeah, yeah. They have maybe the best green room in the city. It's super And cool, I love Dan. Man. Dan Carlson's yeah. a great guy. So what the, the thing about it, like, taking over Old Town is that, like, I know that I can help all the clubs because I do know what the fuck I'm talking about and I don't want to brag. But I do know what the fuck no, I'm brag. talking about. No, brag. That's why you got It's not bragging job. if you know what you're doing. I do know. Science teachers aren't like, sorry, I'm bragging with all this knowledge <laughs> I'm sharing. No, you know what you're doing. And I and I, can, I give a fuck. So that's the biggest thing is that um, just taking over the – it was – a a very very difficult you would be surprised how difficult this decision was for me and i did i wanted to come out i was going to tell you last week this is going to be the podcast that i broke the news on i know and i that's where i fucked it up this but instead of you to make a facebook post i could have had fucking first rights to it yeah yeah i got 400 plus likes but for sure yeah. dude <laughs> 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 no, but yeah, my, my thing is that, like, and I know it was a tough decision. For it you. was a very yeah. because I listen, Curtis Curtis Schaffleg. He's first of all probably the best partner I've ever had in anything I've ever done, whether like in life, anything that ever. I mean, 
whatever, anything that I've ever done with work, Curtis is the best partner I've ever had. And we were together for almost six years total. We argued maybe five times. Wow. Right? In six wow. years. That's incredible. And those five times that we actually like butted heads was about comedy and we both wanted the same thing. You know what I'm saying? We argued because we give Remember that one post you made where you were like, here's Curtis's lineup every week. Oh my God. And you yeah. like you did your yeah. token like here's this yeah. person. Uh ask Clark if Hannibal's in town. Like, right. and, like yeah. Yeah. And leave four hours at the end in case Hannibal wants to pop in. Right. What was the host? Any of the Jeffs? Jeff Arcuri, Jeff Sheen. Helm or Chris Rudd if they're in town. Like, yeah, shit like that. But but Curtis is the best, and I fucking love Curtis. No, I love Curtis. He he, honestly, he gave me me the opportunity because, like like you you said before a little bit, I started out at a door there. So just to give, like, a little history. American success story. Start off the door. That's right, baby. Listen, when I moved to Chicago, like, I was – I got sort of I got into stand up because I saw I had roommates. You saw Carrot Top in New Jersey and you were Carrot like forever my life has changed. I so like I avoided stand up. My brother did stand up and my 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 grandfather was like super into comedy. Your sister's funny. I've seen her videos. She makes some comedy videos. Yeah. But like I wasn't super into it. I kind of like you know, pulled away from that because I wanted to rebel. You know, I wasn't just like, okay, oh fucking, this is what they like. I'm not gonna like. So that. funny to rebel. <laughs> you know, but like that's just, like funny thing to my grandpa from. wanted to sit down with me and watch Three Stooges, and I was like, fuck this. You know, like because <laughs> you're missing out, man. What? Three Stooges like, is amazing. Yeah, I get it, but like at 13, my depression cure. For at a long 13, time. I was in love with Puff Daddy. You know, like it was just like I was in a different vibe, a yeah. different headspace, and so like I didn't care and. It was it was something like all right, I, I remember the first thing that like sorta of drew me in was I went on vacation with my buddy AJ and he, he showed me Dane Cook's Harmful this Harmful of Swallow. This was like two thousand three, two thousand. We've talked about that album on this podcast. Yeah. That's a great album. So it, it we we were on vacation in Ocean City, Maryland, and he put it on. He he bought it. He went and bought it because he's like, dude, this guy's hilarious. I heard him on Napster. And he's like, this dude's fucking super funny. We should listen to him. He bought his album. We watched like it came with a DVD. It was an album and a DVD, and the DVD had like premium blend. It's it Comedy Central half hour. Yeah, it had like yeah. premium blend. It had something else. So, I remember like, I had that. I remember watching that premium blend. So, yeah. So we like we watched that, and I was like, dude, this is fucking great. So that was like the first like little like inkling, you know. And I watched like Two Orgasm, and I found out about like Gary Gallman and Bobby Kelly and Jay. Davis Barry like, Katz we mentioned earlier right. was Dan Cook's manager at the yeah. time so he was part of that show so a little like, bit so like I was just watching this and I was like this is fucking cool but I wasn't like super into it right and then I uh I was in Ohio and I was living with three people that I was in the military right so I was living with three people that weren't in the military which is like the same thing that you talked about before having friends outside of what you do it was the same thing in the military which is very much like when you're in the military it's very everything's military so like I was like, I need to get people that are outside of this because like, I don't want to lose myself. You know, like there's a lot of like, you can get caught up anything that you're in, whether it's being a comedian, whether it's whatever chef, whatever you can get caught up in that industry. Chefs especially man. Everyone who works in the food industry hangs out with each other. It's like incestual. It's weird. Everybody fucks. They all like they went to a camp to make friends and they fucking end up, you end up super bitter, which is like a big thing that I didn't, I didn't want to be as bitter because when you're when you're around people that are doing the same thing as you all the time, you end up just that's all you talk about. And but and even though that I do talk about this a lot, I just realized like you know I need to I need to fucking be around people that aren't like me. And maybe they're like me in in other ways, but they're not like me in the military way. So I lived with three people that I'd I'd found through other people, 
and they needed a roommate and I was like fuck let's all move in together like one dude worked at the post office one dude worked at the DMV and one guy was a server at Olive Garden so that was like the three people that I was with right and we would watch Seth Rogen movies all the time you know because he was fucking Hell huge yeah. this it's is huge. like this is still big but this yeah. is like 2008 2009 super so like, bad Right, writer, writer, fucking great movie. Great did movie. you did you see his new one with uh, Charlize Theron that came out? Dude, it's fucking is it good? Hilarious, mm-hmm. nice, hilarious. It's like, you know what I love because like at the same time it's Seth Rogen in 2019, but there's a scene where he comes on his own face. <laughs> you know, like and it's like at the end of the day it's still Seth Rogen. Still You're Seth like, Rogen. yeah, okay, great. But so I my uh, the guy that worked at Olive Garden he also worked at Family Video, so. I went to his family video one day and I was just walking around and they had a stand-up section and there was like Carlin who I'd known and like, you know, there's obviously like famous people you know, right? And I picked up two DVDs. I picked up Joe Rogan Live and Louis C.K.'s Shameless, mm. which I believe was his first HBO special it was. from yeah. t- 2006. And then Joe Rogan Live was, I believe, from 2007 and it was his Netflix special. But he was one of the first people that had a Netflix special and it was back when Netflix was DVDs. Oh wow! Yeah, it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't realize that. It was, it he got in early. It wasn't Netflix streaming. I know Netflix it. has actually been a company since like 1999. Yeah, they've been around forever. Yeah, yeah. they've been around a long time. You know, it's hilarious. I was just visiting my parents in uh, in West Palm. My parents live down in Florida, so I was down there and hanging out. And uh, my dad told me he still gets DVDs from Netflix. Does he really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And That's I was funny. like, you're like one of the few that still does it. He streams shit doing too well. He streams shit. Oh, but, does he? Nice. No, I think they're doing fine. I think like uh, I don't know. I think someone's gonna buy them. Sure, but they're they're just in so much debt though. They're in like fucking nine hundred million dollars of debt, and they've already announced that they're not going to keep friends in office around because they can't afford to. No, yeah, because the 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 like uh, Disney is coming out with their own streaming service, which is attached to I think NBC and ESPN. Dis- ABC. ABC. Disney's coming out with a bundle. This was just announced, everybody, where it's going to be twelve ninety nine, which is the exact price of what Netflix is now. Where it's going to be Disney Plus. Yeah. Which no one knows how much content's going to be on that, but. It, Disney, right. Hulu, and um, ESPN Plus. Yeah, it's going to evolve through them as a bundle for twelve like twelve bucks. Yeah. So how do you compete with that? You don't. So I was uh, I was in I was living in Ohio at the time. Facebook will buy them anyway. Go ahead. That's my prediction. And that's that's a good move for yeah. Facebook for sure. I think so. You stream shit from Facebook TV. Yeah. So I was uh, I was living in Ohio at the time, and like I I rented these DVDs and I brought them home to my friends that like also at the same time. Like my my buddy that worked at Olive Garden, his name's Matt. He also had just moved back from LA where he was trying to be an actor. So he was in LA and like he got back to us and like we're all like creatives, you know. So we're yeah. thinking of the idea, even though I was in the military and like we all had these bullshit jobs, we're creatives at the end of the day. So we're thinking of like what kind of scripts can we write? Like what what are we what are we doing here? Like what what kind of like funny shit can we do? So we're watching these Seth Rogen. We you know they'd get stoned. I couldn't smoke, but they'd all fucking smoke and watch these movies and I'm like let me rent these DVDs I rented them brought them home we watched like the first one I remember we watched Louis CK first and they're like who the fuck is this bald asshole like <laughs> what the fuck this fucking guy like he's not gonna be funny and then they fucking and they died and I'm watching them watch it and I'm like oh, that's where it started for this yeah. is fucking great I'm yeah. like you know what like I did something here like I brought something to them and they fell in love with it right we watched we watched that and then we watched Jorgen special next which first of all I think like Jorgen live is probably his best special like a lot of people say like um, 
uh, I think it's like monkey talking monkeys in space. Like there's a, he has a few that are like he's got a few, yeah. But to me, like Jordan Live, because do you realize what you are though? In a sense, you're but, a comedy chef. Sure, you make a meal and you'd like to see someone take a bite and enjoy it. But but people say you can't trust a skinny chef. That's bullshit. Right. Skinny chefs don't even like people make a meal. They don't even want to do it. You know what I mean? Like when I would write a, sc- I mentioned being a screenwriter earlier. I've written a few screenplays. My struggle was how do I get people to read it? Because you don't, I can't just knock on Paramount's door, or Warner right. Brothers' door, going, "Hey, read this shit." But whenever I wrote it, I never saw myself playing any of the characters. Right. I wrote the words and I thought, "Ooh, this would be a good actor for this. This would be a good actor for that." I never thought I would be in this. Yeah. So when you tell me you were watching them enjoying, you're like, "Oh, they wouldn't know this was it wasn't for me." Right, dude. That's very much like I mean. Well, you, I was we just, doing, we just I made was, fun of chefs earlier for being like fucking in a weird world. But in that regard, you're a person who likes to see someone enjoy something else. And I think of chefs with that because it's like, hey, I made this. Do you like it? Well, also, it's yes, like, it's like a it. little bit like on me because like I'm like, oh, I brought it to them. Yeah. Of course. You know, it's the same way like you, whatever band you show somebody that you're Yeah, like, you want people to be, you want people like, to dig oh, okay, the shit yeah, you did. fucking sick. So, I, you know, I showed them this and I was like, okay, this is what they like. This is awesome. We we watched Louis and Joe Rogan special so much, like so fucking much. And then after that, I started like uh, following like Obi and Anthony and things like that. And then I started going to shows a lot in Ohio. Like I'd go to like the fucking Cincinnati Funny Bone and the Columbus, which is in Newport, Kentucky. It is. Yeah, I've done that club. It's good. Yeah, and like the Dayton Funny Bone, I'd go to those three quite a bit. And then when I came to Chicago, like I fell in love with Chicago and. Like I looked up, I I can't remember like do three one two or something. I found fucking Camille's oh yeah, Chanel, like, yeah we were on that one of those like things, and I was like, cool, let me go check this out. And then I fell in love with the Chicago comedy scene. And then it took me a while, it took me a long time to get to the idea, like four years probably of living here, where I'm like, maybe I should be involved in comedy because like I'm fucking listening to it all the time. I'm learning all this shit. Like I'm I'm listening. I'm the idea of like I'm like. James talked about earlier when we were off air about being an audiophile. Like I listen to still like today, I listen to a few podcasts a day and I was listening to probably like three or four comedy podcasts. And one of them, this is, I got into Joe Rogan's message board because of that, that special. Right. And he had a message board before he had a podcast. So I was part of his message board and like, I would like just read like every, what everybody was talking about. And something that constantly came up was like the idea that there's all these people that don't give a fuck about comedy that run comedy clubs. Yeah. And so I was like, just, it would, it was something that stuck with me, like just over and over and over, you know? And I, I'd met in like 2011, I met Joey Diaz and he's somebody that if you don't know him, he's a, he's a great comic and he's somebody that just kind of like I've talked to over the years. I've just like hit him up for anything that like I had questions on. Like he, he's somebody I confide in with certain things, you know? And like, he's just a great guy. He's a great person. And it, it became like, it became like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do? Like I, I was a cook for a while and I, I went to culinary school and oh, that's funny. You were a chef. I yeah, made an yeah, analogy yeah. about you being a chef and you actually were. No, I was. Yeah. I went, uh, to, I went anyway. to culinary school for a while and then like I, I went to hospitality school and I was like, I'm going to work in hotels. Like I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Like there's a fucking honest. school for that. Yeah. Yeah. Big, yeah. What's that one class? Say please and thank you. What's no. hospitality? Well, you Some more like, than that? You learn like the business. You learn like marketing. Oh, okay. And all that. So, it's like, just a bad name for the, what it is then. Yeah. You learn everything. So, okay. so uh, you know, and I, and I studied that and I'm like, and 
at that time, like, uh, I wasn't making any money doing anything. So I started f- for a valet company. I worked for a valet company for a while because it's great money. I was making like 70K a year. Like, and most of it was cash. I know. Some people don't realize how much money these, these parking cars make. Yeah, you can make a but lot of money. What's the average job. person tip a valet driver? It depends. Like, it, it depends on your car. So, like, I know, like, if I'm going to have a Porsche, I'm going to get at least $5, right? If, okay. If I'm going to have, like, a fucking Ford Taurus, I'm so going to get $2. So, on my Toyota bucks. Camry. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do valet tonight. I expect $2. Oh, two. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta step it up. Then I've been giving a buck. Sometimes I give two. Sometimes I give a buck. Yeah, I think two bucks is I like. I just rarely have singles on me, so right. sometimes I'm like. And then when someone's near me, I go, "Dude, give me a borrow me a buck real quick." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, so like two bucks is like what I expect for like a camera. Like if you got a Rolls Royce, I expect twenty. You know, it just it depends. So if you like, drive a Rolls Royce, you got to tip twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. money, more problems. Right. You know of what course. I mean? Yeah. No, but you gladly would like to tip. But that. also, if I'm gonna park. Money, I'm gonna park it. your Rolls Royce up front. You know, I'm not going to fucking move it to the lot. You don't got to worry about me driving it. How about you can even park it yourself and keep your keys. You just throw me 20 bucks. You know, You've done that before? Of course. You know, you got a Lambo, like, fucking throw me some, throw me some cash. You can park your car yourself. I'm not going to fuck with it. You don't got to worry about me driving your car. I had a buddy who worked valet in downtown Chicago, and he'd get a lot of White Sox players. Mm-hmm. And he's a Cubs fan. He'd spit on all the cars, he told me. I got the White Sox owner for a long time. He would come every Reinsdorf, every, huh? every Tuesday. Yeah, he'd come to the, this place in the West Loop every Tuesday. Oh. So I don't know if it was that same guy that you said, but like well, Reinsdorf owns the Sox and the and the Bulls, but maybe it was one of the CEOs or one the general of, manager, one of, one of Kenny the, Williams. I think he was an owner. He, he drove a Rolls Royce. Okay, yeah, yeah. could it be was, like a part owner. Yeah, That's believable. Yeah. So, but so I, I, you know, I was at this fucking crossroads in my life. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, I, I, I feel like. I should do something that involves comedy because I give a fuck about it. And like, I try to, I've always tried to turn things that I like into my career, no matter what it is. Like I love cooking. So I just became a chef, you know, like there, there's things like before I was in the military, I went to audio engineering school because I loved music. So I was like, I want to be an audio engineer. Like I, I yeah, if you guys follow Brian on Instagram, not to cut you off, your Instagram stories are all music, Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Dude. Some of the songs I actually looked up. Yeah. So yeah, man. So like people atmosphere hate, people hate Good it. Shit. Yeah, I love atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he, for what the weirdest thing just to segue about atmosphere is that like I've been an atmosphere fan for 15 years, and he's come to the fucking comedy club and hung out with me twice, and we can Instagram and he messages me back, and it's like that's cool. It's the that'd be like you talking to Kurt Cobain. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that atmosphere is Kurt Cobain to you? Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I know you're really into Joe Budding. Joe Budding, and I met Joe Budding last year. Like, Joe Budding, sorry. Joe Budden, and it's like it's the same thing. So, but. So I realized I was at this crossroads in my life. Like I need to do something that involves comedy because like I know I know too much about it not to do anything. I felt and I felt like I kept hearing these things like I was telling you before, like there's all these people talking about like there's all these comedy clubs where comedy club owners or comedy club managers, they don't give a fuck. You know, they don't care about what they're doing. And I'm like, I care and I'm not even in the fucking industry. Like what the fuck am I doing? Like I, I love cooking, but like it wasn't doing it for me the same way, you know, so I'm like, okay, let me fucking do something in this industry. So I, I looked at anybody that was hiring, and the, the only place I saw I was hiring was Laugh Factory. So I started at his door there. And when, when you, I think you had met me at Community Show, but you didn't know me, know me, right? So like, then I think you were in L.A. at the time. This is 2014. Yeah, I would have been in L.A. So like, or maybe you had just gone to L.A. But I, maybe I had just gone, but I remember coming back and you specifically going, you got to look out for Joey Diaz. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and right. you're telling me that. you up. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You hit me. You have a private message, but yeah. then when I saw you, you mentioned it. Right. And then um, I did the and Long I, I Beach. I Joey. Too, I did Long I Beach Laugh him. Factory, and we're on the same show. Right. And I brought you up, and right. he was like, "Ah, yeah, his eyes widened." Yeah. It was funny because he came in, and he came in kind of like, right, like he, he looked exhausted or so right. tired from something like that, you know, which he probably would admit. 
um, that if he remembers that specific night, which I'm sure he doesn't. But he, you know, he sat in that booth there in the back that a lot of the comics hung out at. Which I get. It was a Wednesday show at the Long Beach. Look, I love the Long Beach Laugh Factory, but there were nights where it was like it's the largest club in the country. You know it's that? massive. It's seven hundred seater. It's huge Jesus. for a comedy yeah. club. It is massive, and and you know people talk about the Improv and Schaumburg being huge. This is way bigger. I think the Improv and Schaumburg is four to four fifty. Yeah, this is a bigger club, and um, he just kind of sat down. And I remember, I, I I mentioned him being tired because when I mentioned your name, he bucked up. Right. He was like, Oh yeah, Brian, cool. Yeah. You know, and um, I might have been hosting, so I don't even think if you saw my setup top. Right. But he was, he was still a really nice guy. And I'm a big fan of his. And as we were talking about earlier to people, this is something you could take with whatever you do in your life. Patience. St- stick to your path. You know, follow what you love. Joey Diaz is 56 yeah. years old. Yeah, I just posted about this. He's 56 years old. And um, September 27th, I believe is the day. It's 27th and 28th. He's headlining the Chicago Theater. It's his first time at the Chicago Theater at 56 years old. He's been doing stand-up almost 30 years. And he's years. shooting his first pilot soon, too, for a show? Or did he shoot that already? Or I, I don't know about the pilot. I know that he was just in the uh, Sopranos reboot that's coming out. He's uh, It's something about Newark, something Newark. Yeah, um, like, but the guy's big now. He's a fucking big time. I mean, he's uh, almost got a million followers on Instagram. Yeah, he's big, and, and he deserves talking, it. I, I, I saw him in 2012 at a VFW in East Chicago, Indiana, where nobody knew who he was. You know, yeah, so, so it just goes to show you, you got to grind it out. You and, know? and so, like this, so I worked my way. To get you back a message, I he wor- helped you out. He, I, but I worked my way up at Laugh Factory. I fucking started at a door, and then I became a manager within a few months, like a night manager in a few months. And then with with Curtis believing in me, I became a fucking GM, uh, the club manager within like I don't know, seven, six. Hold on, can you whisper? Fucking rude, man. Within like, six, within like 16 Next months. Next podcast is coming in. They're talking loudly as oh, they walk shit. in. Are they starting No, off? I, when I walk in, I, I'm like a fucking mouse. I'm hearing other people walk in. They're being loud as are shit. Are you starting at four? Are we, are we running long? Are we, we're getting, we'll, we're, we got 10 more minutes, probably. That's it? Oh, shit. Okay. Well, now you have to wrap up, too. Well, just... You door manager. Yeah. You're at Laugh Factory for a while. I'm trying yeah. to like push it along no, a little I got bit. You. Sorry, yeah. man, I don't No, and you. I worked there for a long time, and then... Um, I got offered the opportunity to to work at Zanies. You know, they approached me. The and, oldest comic club in Chicago. Yeah, it's one of the, the fourth, oldest in fourth, the country. Fourth in the country. Fourth, fourth in the country oldest. institution. James, what time have we got to be over? Uh, what, when when you want to be? Was that the next okay. podcast coming in? Uh, I have a meeting, but. You oh, okay. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, so yeah, fourth oldest club in the country. They approached me, and they're like, you know, like we've heard a lot about you, which is. Amazing because like that that says a to lot. Get your of, name out in that. Realm. Well, just, that just says a lot about like what I've done, you know. Like, and I, I do give a shit about what I do, you know, and like I care about comedy, and I think that that's a huge part of it, you know. Like, you have to give a fuck about what you do if you're gonna do anything. My thing is like, why would you do anything and not care? Whether whatever fucking bullshit job you work at, if you're gonna work there, if you're they're paying you, then just do the job, you know. Like, yeah, fuck it. Like, what the fuck? Like, you can. I don't know. Anyway. No, I, I like the mentality of like, hey, you got hired to do something, do it hard or do it well. And if you don't want to get the fuck out of the yeah, way. Why? Like you're unless holding, it's a you're job like, that has nothing to do with other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So which is means you work for yourself. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> basically, that's true. Because yeah. everything re- usually falls onto another person's shoulders yeah. at some point. Yeah. So what I'm excited about is because I know you're a dude who doesn't just think about comedy as it currently is. But you're someone who likes to you're like you've mentioned you're you're listening to comedy you're soaking it in you're like a student of comedy you're the one that turned me on to so many great podcasts you did a, a great thing last year or the year before, was it 2017 or 2018 when you were like posting inspirational comedy videos yeah. of comedians time with their experience Brian Callen talking about his thing yeah. what I like about Brian Callen's was he said something like 
Um, I've never met Gandhi. I've never met like you know this great person in history, that great Jesus. person, Jesus, yeah. JFK. I don't know. You name like fucking twelve amazing yeah. people in history. But I'll tell you this: every one of those people would suck at CrossFit. Like you know, no. everyone has things they're good at. Everyone yeah. has things they're bad at. Yeah. And, and he's I'm very funny. philosophical. He said I'm funnier than all of them. I'm funnier than all of them, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and and then yeah, you've shared a lot of these great interviews from different comedians, and I think that's important for someone who's becoming a voice in comedy like yourself, especially here in Chicago, to let people know, hey, don't if oh, you got knocked in your ass, so what? Get back up. Right. It all goes back to Batman Begins, everybody. <laughs> what does Bruce Wayne's father say to him? Huh? What does he say? Thomas Wayne, he says, Bruce, why do we fall down? So we can learn to get back up. Yeah. And that's kind of what a lot of you are doing because every comedian or, or anyone in any kind of industry that's outside the world of your standard nine to five which is what's cool about America or the the world it's, itself is it's we're going away from that a little bit. There's a lot of bullshit aspects of gig economy in a right. way where it's like kind of exploiting employees. I read a whole article and we're not going to get on this, but this is just a little nugget for people about how uh, developers are making these big luxury condos. They're too expensive for like people to buy. Of course. So rich people are buying them and then using them as Airbnbs. Right. And they're charging rental prices, but it's still way too much for a rental price. So it's like at the end of the day, the average person's getting fucked over again. And you know, so it's kind of I don't I don't know why I brought that up specifically. No, but, but I get it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. um, so what I like about what you do, though, is I'm you shared that thing where Burt Kreischer discovered from Netflix that people are only watching Netflix specials for twenty to thirty minutes. So right. he put his closer at like the twenty five minute yeah. mark, or thirty minute mark, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. I think it's thirty minute mark. I can't remember now. Uh, so you've always been this student of it. So now I'm like, all right. You mentioned earlier, it was a hard decision to leave Laugh Factory. Which so, of course listen, it is. Listen. So like, gave you your start just to go through this, right? So but let me just add to this. I'm mentioning that because you had all this potential that maybe wasn't being realized there, or I'm not. I said it's not, not even that. that. No, no, no. Okay. It's not even that. Like the the because I love Laugh Factory. I'm not knocking it, but I'm saying that I get why you were like, I know a lot of shit, and maybe I could do more somewhere else. Hmm. Or is that that? Maybe I'm wrong. No, 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 no. In I think like uh, anytime that you work somewhere for a long time, you kind of get stagnant. And that's, so like I I, I, st- I started to feel that a little bit you know and like uh, and I love I love the Laugh Factory I love like I love what Curtis and I have built like I think that we've built a very very I think that and I'm not shitting on where I work right now I think no we, no I think, no I think that we built the best club in Chicago I would agree no Laugh Factory is the best club in Chicago okay and I work Zanies right. And I love Zanies. I'm doing Zanies St. Charles this weekend. Yeah. I've got a whole week in November at Old Town, your club. Yeah. So you're going to have to deal with me all week long that week. I love and, it. And, no, I love Zanies. And, and to, it's me, great. to me, we worked very hard to do that. And I spent a lot of time with Curtis talking about what we want to do and where we're going to take this club. You know, and, like, you know, a lot of our ideas didn't work. A lot of them did. So, anyway, I'm... I get this opportunity. They approach me. They ask me. They tell me what's going on. They ask me to, to come there. My immediate reaction was like, Ugh, I don't know. Like, I fucking love working at Laugh Factory. I love the idea of like. Being approached is cool, though, huh? Of course. Yeah. Definitely. Like, it feels good. Everybody wants to be asked of out co- on that date. Uh, definitely. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Like, you Take feel, my you, pants off. I don't have to work for this shit. You feel hot. You know, yeah. you feel like the good. Very sexy. So, so I. I just, I, I, but I love, I love the laugh factor. I love the idea of what it is. I love the idea of like seeing somebody from their fucking very, very adolescence in comedy to being somebody like Chris Red now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I, I've watched Chris Red go from not having any money at all, and he'll tell you this himself, like not having any money to being 
rich. Yeah. Like, he's rich. No, he's rich. For okay. sure he's rich. He's, he's rich. I know. Yeah. yeah. So, like... I knew him when he had no money. Of course. <laughs> he had no money when he started out in you LA. Saw, you, yeah. saw, you saw how he dressed. Sleeping out just, at his just, friend's house in North Hollywood. Just yeah. look at how he dresses. His cousins. Yeah, you know, like even, even that alone, just just down to his style of what he does now. I always thought he was very stylish, though, but it's definitely not up, even it's that, up not, a little bit. It's like a whole other level now. He just says you're a little under about fashion where yeah. I thought he was a bad dresser yeah. at any point. You, you know, it's funny. You can like look up an old clip of him on the Laugh Factory's YouTube, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. <laughs> but, but it was always a bull's hat, right? Was it just a better bull's hat now? Yeah, it's a Bulls hat. It's, a bull, it's a bull's hat with fucking diamonds and that's true in it. yeah okay. he's got, it's, it's definitely uh, more bling for right. sure yeah so but, but he it, broke at laugh factory you guys broke him i don't know if he's broken sure. with you well second city sure. yeah sure he was I, he was an I, improviser I, before Chris he's gonna break no matter what I that's feel, true like, but like laugh factory was a big part of that and he would tell you that okay i don't know sure but he i don't like well to, i don't want to take those flowers chris red is a fucking beast no chris what. look chris red's a beast and he would have been a beast regardless yeah but someone has to fucking unleash the beast yeah that's so, that's a fact you so, were the first club to book him regularly so like no i jokes and notes but so, yeah, jokes and notes is a great was so, was a great club so i i uh i just i looked at this like what the fuck like i i don't know and i talked to a lot of people that i confide in about what i'm going to do with my career and you know one of them is jamie masada and like he's the owner of the laugh factory and he's somebody that i approached with this and like this is what they offered me and like what do you think i should do you know and he was like you know man like i think that's a great opportunity they're offering me health care we talked we talked about health care a little bit off the podcast yeah it's big I didn't have health care. We know so many comedians would be able to quit their shitty day job if they had health care. I didn't have health care. Be yeah. I didn't have health care at Laugh Factory, and that's just their business model, and that's fine. Like, I get what they're doing, but I didn't have health care, you know? And, yeah. like, that's that's something that I need, you know? Like, at the You're end in your of the 30s day, now. Yeah, dude. I'm fucking getting older. Like, it's like... I'm your age, so like yeah. you know, you fucking realize Dude, it. Or like, before the podcast, you showed me a picture. Fucking, of something I reached for and my back went out. Right, that's so how well, 34 just, looks just, like shit these you, days for me. It sucks. You don't yeah, know. Pulled hamstring know. two weeks be, ago. You just want to be careful. We talked about this before. Like I've got kids. The, the idea I see an ambulance going somewhere and I'm like, oh fuck, that's expensive, right? Yeah. You know, if I have healthcare to back that up, it's still going to be expensive, but it's going to be way less expensive. So that was very, you know, that was something cool. So I talked to Jamie about this for a while, and he was like, you know maybe look into other endeavors see what you can do like he's like i think that this is a good opportunity for you it's a bit of a lateral move which is fine and he's like but think about the bigger picture and think about like what you're meant to do in this industry and i'm like okay so i looked up and i i saw caa so caa was hiring creative arts agency which oh, yeah. is like the, one of the biggest if not the biggest agency in all of the world as far as like you know actors they're huge yes yeah. whatever big. and I read a book on CAA two, maybe three years ago, and I fucking, I love, it's called Powerhouse. It's like a 600, 700 page book. It's fucking long as shit. And I fell in love with this book. And like, it made- My friend Andy works at CAA. The idea of it was very, you know, enticing. I'm like, oh fuck, like, what can I do? This would be dope. Like, if I can- Have you seen where their office is in Beverly Hills? No. They call it the Death Star because it kind of looks like the Death Star. Yeah, it's like I've, this crazy building. Pic- yeah. I've seen pictures. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I haven't been it's there personally, but I've seen pictures. So, you know, I was like, fuck, like, what? This this is, okay. So I looked at CA and I applied on LinkedIn because that was like. Is that the one Ari Emanuel is at? Is he at CA? No, WM. He's at WM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Michael Obitz was the guy that okay, ran yeah. CAA for a long time. No, I know that. He name. doesn't work for him anymore. But um, I read his book too. He was on Gary Vee's podcast. Very good. But, uh, so 
I was like, okay, shit, let me like see what CA has to offer. And I applied on LinkedIn, but there was like 200 people that fucking applied on LinkedIn. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? Like, what can I do to fucking circumvent all these people and like get around? You know, I don't, I, I shouldn't have to wait in line like everybody else. I do have six years in this industry where it's like, I'm not, you know, and even though it's an assistant job, the, the thing that I applied for was an assistant to comedy and podcast touring which is right up my alley. Yeah. Like it's something that I think I know that I would be good at. And it's an avenue that I haven't learned, you know, and it would be something that interests me and something that I would like to know. So I looked at their talent roster and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I'm friends with Joey Diaz. I know Brendan Schaub. I know Theo Vaughn. I know Eric Griffin. I know like all these people that are on this roster. So I was like, I hit them all up personally. Like, Hey, like, can you help me out? Blah, blah. No one got back to me right away. Like, it takes time, obviously. Like, they're busy as fuck. Then I hit up my sister. My sister used to work at the Laugh Factory. So she was like, hey, uh, yeah, no, I actually have all their emails. So she sent me a list of emails, and then I Googled who did what. And then I found Matt Blake. He, he's, like, the head of comedy and podcast touring at CAA. So I emailed him, and I sent him my resume, and I explained to him what was going on. And then he passed it forward, and I got an interview with CAA. That's incredible, dude. Yeah. yeah. So CAA, which is like a huge deal for me, I'm like, fuck, like this would be dope. Um, I then talked to Joey Diaz. Now, I trust Joey with my life. Like this guy, like I- He's mentored you in a lot of ways. I, I really respect Joey and like he, he's looked out for me a lot. So I was like, okay, let me see what Joey thinks. And I talked to him for probably like 20 minutes on the phone one day and he told me not to be an agent. He's like, listen, man, he's like, if you really want to do it, he's like, but at the end of the day, there's not a lot of people that can run comedy clubs. He's like, I've been to every fucking club in this country. He's like, there's very few people that can run comedy clubs. He's like, you should take this offer that they're giving you. And then you can go from there. He's like, at the end of the day, he's like, you can't, do you want, you want to talk to him? Really? No, I just do uh, bring it bring loud in the other room. And I wanted to fucking let him know, shut the fuck up a little bit. So I threw you a got, pen at the curtain. No, you got to throw corn. It that's did nothing. What, Corn's my fuck. Yeah, yeah, go full circle yeah. there. I'm sorry. Go back. Go ahead. Though. So, he uh ice is next go ahead <laughs> joey was like you know like i i believe that you are a good person he's like the idea of like an agent might take that good good person side out of you because a lot of them are savages and he's like i don't know if you should do that he's like i believe that you should really like explore this idea of working for zanies because I think it'll be good for you. You're going to make some more connections that you don't have. And you're going to learn more of the industry that you don't have. And he's like, at the end of the day, if you can do what you did with the Laugh Factory with Zanies, that's two clubs under your fucking belt. Yeah, man. He's like, so if. That's Theo Epstein, Red Sox, Cubs. Right. When winning World Series with two teams that don't win World Series. Right. Not to say that Zanies hasn't won. You know, Zanies, no, Zanies is, is fucking great. Don't Zanies get me is wrong. great. Don't get me wrong. It's an institution, yeah. They just, there's certain little. And I love Laugh Factory, Jim Masada, Curtis, everyone you named, I'm a big fan there's, of. So I there's get just it. certain tweaks that Zanies that I even saw that everybody sees that could be made. You now, know? let me ask you this. This is this, this part you could say, no, I don't really, we haven't talked about that yet. I don't even know what's going on with that. Um, and this is someone who benefits from Zany's current system. They, you know, I get three weeks a year I out of there, know three, what four you're weeks. Say. You're, I, I know, yeah. Well, fine, but I got to say it, right? Yeah, go ahead. Do you not want me to say it? No, go ahead. Okay. So Laugh Factory currently is a showcase club like the clubs in New York and L.A. in the sense that we're going to put up five to six of the best comedians per night. Per night. Or ten. <laughs> yeah, which was too many on Saturday or Friday. Sorry, Curtis. Um, no, it was great, though, still. The, the audience was fantastic, like I said a million times. Zanies doesn't do that structure. Right now, Chicago's got like a big three. 
which LA has a big three, but they've got a bunch of satellite ones in the nearby area. Right. You, have, you know, Ice House in Pasadena, right. Comedy Magical in Hermosa, right. Flappers, you know, you know um, Ha Ha Club in North Hollywood. Anyway, New York's got like 20 in the fucking city. I swear to God, I can't remember. Shout out, by the way, shout out to New York Comedy Club, Emilio. I love Emilio. New York Comedy yeah. Club's a great it's club. It's a fucking great club. The they stand. just opened their second location. Yeah. They're really good for New York Comedy Club. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So, um, that's one of the clubs I have to hit up. I did a podcast out of there, but I haven't done stand up. They just opened one. their second location in the village. Their, their original location's up on like 89th or 90th? No, no, no. That's stand up New York. That's stand up New York. Uh, right, sorry. New York Comic Club's on, I believe it's. it's Midtown. It's in Gramercy Park. So it's on, Yeah, okay. It's like 23rd and 2nd, or either. Is there a 23rd or 28th and 2nd? I think okay. it's 23rd and 2nd, though. And right. then they just opened where Eastside Comedy Club used to be in the village. They took that over, and now it's New York Comedy Club in the village. Oh, did they? Yeah. Nice, and nice. Emilio, like, this guy is... I've heard nothing but amazing things about that club. He's, you know, yeah. he gives a fuck. You know, and, like, I met with him. Curtis and I met him probably three or four years ago, and we sat down with him, and we talked shop for fucking two hours. See, I love hearing about that And stuff. then literally anything that I suggested, he implemented. Really? And it was dope. See, like, that's the people I like because it's not, they're not like, it wasn't my idea. Right. You know, when you meet people who they were like, it wasn't my idea. We, My last podcast guest, Toby McMullen, who's a comic, but he's also a great filmmaker. He's got a great eye for stuff. He like, he has the skills I wish I would have like gone to college for. Yeah. Like if I were to do it all over again, the one change I'd make would be I would have gone to college. I went to college, but I would have stayed in school, but I would have studied the skills I need now. You know, the skills I rely on James for, the skills I rely on some, we still would have been boys. But the skills are like, I just don't know how to do. <laughs> Graphic design, web development, like, but I feel like sound you don't, engineering. You don't need to do those. Like, you're, yeah, focusing, I don't, but you're be, focusing on what you're good at, you know? And right true, now, you but got, I'm saying you got, I, you got, he's not focusing on what you're good at, you know? Like, but that's he's fair. focusing on what he's good at. That's fair. But I'm saying, like, back in the day, before I met James. And if you really wanted to learn, you could. Yeah, Let's be honest. I'm, I am. I'm teaching myself a little bit here yeah. and there. Uh, I've gotten the funny thing is I've done some cool stuff on accident. There you go. <laughs> James was like, dude, that one thing was really yeah. cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, you did add something I, that I was impressed. I couldn't by. repeat it. I, I don't even know how I fucking did it the first yeah. time. I was just like, Oh, don't touch anything. I think that looks cool. I'm not gonna <laughs> But the, I mean I know a little bit. I have educated myself as I've gone along. But um I just meant like I brought up Toby because Toby's good at some a lot of stuff. Yeah. James did a tweak on something he was working with. It wasn't like to step on, James, on Toby's toes because oh, yeah. they're both artists. They know what the fuck they're doing. Toby's response was, that looks way better. Great job. Some people would have been like, the fuck, dude? I yeah. sent you a copy and you And I was afraid that Toby may have said something too because like – that happens but he wasn't. a lot. That does happen. You're right. He's that down does. to earth, though. No, Toby was like, yeah, it looks better. Was, yeah, he was like, fuck well, it. Yeah. You did a good job. I like it. It's well, cool. and that's why That's why I like Toby. Because yeah, that's why Toby's going to be a fucking success. Toby, Toby knows that the project we were working on was for Joe. So right. no matter what, it had to look good for right. Joe. Yeah. You understood what the. Just the a low bar, says. Right. I don't know what looks good, but yeah. anyway. Hey, you say that in a couple months when you got way more followers on YouTube. Mr. 1200. Yeah. It's building. I like that it's building. It feels good. Um, Follow him on YouTube because all I've ever wanted subscribe. was just for people to see my shit. That's yeah. all I've ever wanted. Oh, that's what every see my wants. shit and like it. Yeah, that's it. That's all you care or about. Or don't like it, but so talk, like it. but see it, but see it. Just yeah. Yeah. Give, give me that buzz. Fifty Cent said that's what was annoying about LA. They'd be like, if you have buzz around you, that's really what you want to go for. Fifty Cent said, if they hate, let them hate, but watch the money pile up. You know, yeah, that's that's what matters. It doesn't work that quite way with stand up. Maybe it does. It does, of course. As long as the people you like are willing to fight the people you hate, that's the key. I'll tell you what, uh, Amy Schumer's leather special, right? Yeah, how many people hate it, right? You've heard, you've heard, right? How much money does she make off that? 
She was smart enough to get the check before it came out, though. Sure, but how much money did she make off it? I don't know, eight million. Sure, sure. She's insane. Okay. So here's what I'm bringing up. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> We're going back to you at Zanies. Here's what I'm bringing up. When Laugh Factory switched, because when Laugh Factory Chicago first opened up, they were trying to bring in weekend headliners. They yeah. were for a while. They're bringing your Dom Herrera, Paul yeah. Rodriguez, yeah. blah blah blah. Dave Keckner, I opened for it there. Um, then they switched to showcase style, a la New York and L.A. Right. Danny Carroll's good friend of mine was like, "That's been the best thing that's happened in this city, and this scene." Yeah. Because it was giving comedians like that club experience while out leaving the city more spots more just like just like that a structure that was very much lacking in the scene and i remember thinking to myself damn you make a good point danny and i thought wow if every club in this town and the ones just outside of it acted that way then you could kind of be like a new york or la and in a, in a sense i felt like maybe that would bring more industry in because if you're like from caa i'm gonna fly out to chicago i'm gonna visit four clubs in one night mm-hmm. And I'm going to see all these different great acts. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And as a comedian, so from scouting, that's great. But as a comedian, it's also like, oh, cool. I'm opening the 8 o'clock at Laugh Factory. I got a 9.30 set at Zany's. Then I'm going to go over to fucking this club at 11. Then I'm going to round it out right here for the for the midnight show right. or whatever. That's like, I used to watch that comedian documentary that Jerry Seinfeld yeah. you know, did on repeat before I started stand-up. Like the, the months leading up to me being like, I'm going to go for it when I was 21, going on 22. And that was and the you coolest. You love Orny part. Adams because of that. Orny, by the way, Orny Adams, great human being. He's a beast and a fucking killer on stage. Yeah. I, I did several shows with him. I used to do Jay Davis's parlor a show at the parlor yeah. on Melrose there in yeah. L.A. with him. And I, I did um, another spot with Orny once before. It might have been the Improv, and he was fucking cool as shit both times. But yeah, he doesn't look great in a lot of aspects. They of that made doc. him look terrible. They made him look terrible yeah, in that yeah. documentary, which sucks because he really is fucking He's a beast. A great, yeah, great yeah. comic. But he is in his own head constantly. Of course, they I, they nailed first that. First of all, most comics are in their own head. Let's be That's honest. true. But yeah. they definitely nailed that aspect yeah, yeah. of it. But he was polite. He was nice. He just had to play that. He part. loves comedy. Yeah. But yeah, they definitely um, amplified it. You know what I mean? Um, but one of the coolest things to me was about that was just Jerry being like. I think if I get over here by 9.45, I could get up there and looking at his watch and be like, they're still going? They got the third show still going? All right, let's work our way over. Like, you know, the idea of going here to here to here to here, mm-hmm. which is what makes New York so sexy in a way. Mm-hmm. And L.A. only really has that between the three major clubs, right. which still is cool as fuck to me. Right. They'll be able to see Chris D'Elia run from Laugh Factory over to fucking the store and then right. swing over to the fucking the improv. That's cool as shit. And I'm like, I want to see Chicago have that. with go- And I, I think here's where I would... This is where I'm going to get, like, being... Anyway, it'd be cool if Zany's did incorporate that. I understand that Zany's business model, the way they have it right now, works really well. I like that they're bringing out of towners because I get to meet people like Dan Lamore, who I worked with last time. He's got um, his album release coming out next month. Yeah, that's cool as hell. I like him a lot. Um, I worked with Josh Blue the other time I was at Zany's. Yeah. That was in April. I worked with Dan in February. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm working with in November. Um I'm working with Andy Woolhall this weekend in um, St. Charles. Love Andy. Andy's, Andy's a great dad. I've known him for I've known Andy for a long time. We're fucking hilarious. Um, so yeah, no, I like that they bring people in because it gives people a chance to meet people. It'd be cool if like Monday through fucking or Sunday through Wednesday or Monday, you know, they were that style, you know. Um, and I'm I'm saying a lot right now. If, if if people higher up than me and higher up than you at that club hears this, they might be like, "Hey, Joe, shut the fuck up and be no, happy." No, no, no. I am happy. You know, I'm just I'm know, thinking I, about like you know, when I met Bert. Bert Haas is the uh, he's the vice president of Zanies, and I've had that same discussion with him. Okay, but I understand his boss. Do you have a you have something playing on your phone? I think. Do I? Yeah. 
So uh, he and uh, <laughs> Bert Hoskins. I feel bad now because when I was yelling at them, I think it was this. Maybe, yeah. I, I heard my phone going when you were out there, and I'm like, how the fuck are they talking? And I threw the pen at the curtain. Oh, that's what that was? Yeah. Psychopath? <laughs> You're lucky they didn't have any corn. Oh, my God. We've been do- how long are we going? Oh, two hours? This is, we're at 2.15. All right. Cool. All right. Well, Let's still do no our best. No I'm no sorry, man. Uh, no, no, my no, wife's going to kill me in a minute. I'm sorry. But listen, Bert and like Bert Hossie, he's the vice president of Zanies, and I have to agree with them on this motto that they're the only club in Chicago that brings in headliners, that national headliners seven days a week. It's true. And I don't mind that, you know, like, no, I don't mind. I, I mean, I, yeah, it's true. And at the end of the day, and I like, like Bert a lot. So if you look at, you look at New York, right? They got Caroline's, you know what I'm saying? Caroline's Caroline's brings in at least, you know, four days a week. They're bringing in. I know Gotham national, on weekends brings in. Sure. Too. And Gar- Caroline's is doing at least four days a week. They're bringing in national headliners. You know, they yeah. will, they will do like certain shows. Like I know like Tommy McNamara and Tom Takar have a show there like once in a while, but like they'll do their um, rising star or sure, like, but, like comics to watch but, or something. Pretty much Thursday through Sunday, they're doing headliners, you know, every Thursday through Sunday, and they're bringing in a headliner to New York City yeah. to fucking, you know, which they don't have to, but they're doing it, and that's their business model. And I, you know, of course, the fucking heart of me is like, Chicago, 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 I need these fucking people. They're, these are the people that need to fucking, we need to do showcase shows. But also, I need to adapt to what his style is, and I understand his style because it's different than anybody else's. There's nobody else in the Chicago proper. You got the improv, but that's fucking an hour away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's outside the city so, right, a lot. So you're like in in Chicago proper. We're the only club that does seven nights a week. A yeah, national seven headliner. nights a week's big, and and it's great. Like I brought it up for the sake of conversation, especially because I benefit from what your current week, your current style mm-hmm. is. You might I, benefit more though if it was a showcase club. I Who might, knows? yeah, because I might get more spots, Who but it'd be less money. Sure, but it's then, not a full but week. Then, but then we're competing. We're doing the same business model as the Laugh Factory. Yeah, which, like I said, I I worked the Laugh Factory six years. I understand that business model and I love it. I there's nothing more than me. Like one thing I'm definitely missing at Zany's is being able to hang out at the bar with every new comic that walks in. Ah, uh, you got Old Town Ale House around the corner. People sure. show up there. We'll hang out with got you, it. buddy. But I'm saying, like at the end of the day, like I've met. I don't know, 2,000 comedians from the Laugh Factory bar. That sounds awful, actually. It's But it's real. Like, that's a real number. It's true, but I've it met sounds terrible. I'm from kidding. the biggest comedian. We had, dude, Brian Regan came out and hung out at the Laugh Factory uh, bar. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing pictures of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was, he was fucking, he did the Chicago Theater and then just came and chilled with us afterwards because we have a bar that's outside of the club that they can just hang out at. That's big, man. It's huge. That's why Comedy Store in L.A. is so much fun. They got that outdoor patio on the front. Of course. Every time I drive by a place that even remotely could replicate that, I think, God, one day, maybe. Right. But then so, I don't. I'm a comedian. I don't want to own a club. Of anyway. course. But so, but the thing about that is, is like, yeah, I'm trying. I'm gonna try to figure out. That's like one thing that is taking over my brain is the idea of how I can make comics hang out here more. And since I've been there, like, I don't know if it's because of me, but like in the past week, Alex Dragovich, Tucker Brookshire, uh, Tim Smith, fucking. Um, Abby Sanchez, like a, bu- a bunch of uh, a bunch of people. Just I'm still waiting out. for you to name someone funny, but go ahead. <laughs> a bunch of people, a <laughs> bunch of people have just stopped by to say hi, and no, that's, and that's fucking great. You know what I'm saying? Like because I'm not, I'm not sure that they would have hung out there on another day. No, and I I actually um, like the guy that I think you replaced a lot. Um, that's not a knock on him at all. I think I, I've, I've I, only met him once, so I don't know. No, no. I, and this is just, they approached me with the job, so I have nothing to do no, with No, no, this isn't a yeah. slam me. This is just, you're already connected to the scene, which is why you were a great hire, right? 
Um, you know the business. I mean, fuck knowing anything else, but you do definitely know the business. You know what people want, which I think is also a major selling point if I were to hire a Brian Morton for my club. But I think what a smart move would be for Zanies going forward would be to make it where it's like, yeah, come on by. Pop your Listen, fucking head that's, in. that's what I'm trying to do. I know that's like, what you're we'll, trying to do. We'll get there. You know, I know. Everything, you will. I, I, need, I need to learn. This is going to take time. And the, the worst Me part saying about that it, is not a fucking knock on anything. Well, the worst part about it is I'm crazy, right? So, like, in my head, I'm like, I need to do everything immediately. Like, everything needs to change today. Yeah. But, like, I, you know, I had, you know, I did, um, I did this ticketing thing that didn't work out Sunday night, and I really took it, like, hard because it didn't work out for me like it's ha- it has in the past and i'm like fuck like this do you want to say what it is or no no just, it's, just, it's just something that usually works for me that doesn't and i'm like fuck okay like and i took it really hard i'm like what why am i taking this so hard i'm only a week in here you know like this is i, I still need to learn everything you I'm still, give a fuck right that's why you took it hard right so but like I know that like all I want to do is Zanies has been around for 41 years all i want to do is if i don't stay whatever I want to try to make it around for another 41 years. That's all I care about because the more comedy clubs. You'll be like 98 by then. But the more comedy clubs in the city, right? The, better. the more it benefits every comedian. A rising tide lifts all boats is my theory. Absolutely. That's why I've never gotten into. Um, I'll say it on air. I don't work comedy bar. I don't work comedy bar anymore. Doesn't matter why. I just don't. And when I've had comedians on, I've had your obbies and your. Your chair, uh, Fiesta de la Toes. Yeah, <laughs> Abby, you got ugly toes. Stop doing it. Uh, I've had Jonah Keep Jerkins. I've had DeRosa. I've Maybe had Deltos. Yeah, I'm I've sorry. had a million comedians who are like, you know, at the end of the podcast, like, hey, what do you want to plug? They're like, I'm at Comedy Bar this weekend. Yeah, I've never said anything negative about Comedy Bar. I never will say anything negative about Comedy Bar because I definitely believe a rising tide will sell boats. Of course, I want every comedy show to sell out yeah. from the smallest, bullshittiest show of all time in whatever corner of the city. To the ones that are big budgeted, how many, to all this how stuff. Many, you're from Chicago. How, yes. many, how many people live in Chicago? It's like city proper, like 2.8 million or something 2. like that. 2.8 million, right? The, with surrounding suburbs, like another fucking almost eight or nine. Okay, so how many people? Evanston talking, has 150,000 people. How many t- people are we talking about total? Just give me a 10 million. We'll just, so let's say, 10 let's million. say this. How many people live within an hour of downtown? Right. Should we do it that way? 45 minutes. Within 40, we'll do 45. Yeah. Within 45 minutes of Chicago, how many people live? I'd say. Five million. Five million. Okay. We live within 45 minutes. So downtown. we're talking five million people. There's no reason that 120 people as Zanies, 100 or 330 people at Laugh Factory, uh, I don't know, 180 people at Comedy Bar. Yeah, that's it. There's no you reason. Know, now no reason. we're talking about. And just, there's no now, reason for another club and another club no, to open no, no. up too. Right now we're just talking about the people that live here. Yeah. Right. We're not talking about the fucking. We're talking about hotel guests. Yeah. We're talking. What do you think? How many? A hundred thousand people come to Chicago. You know, like yeah. consistently, like every day. Um, you know, like all the, the people I met over the weekend from Laugh Factory. So I did Laugh Factory three times last week. Tuesday, front row, bunch of people from Atlanta who are just here working some job in the summer for yeah, training, right. corporate training thing. They're here all summer. They all followed me on Instagram afterwards. Talk to them like, you know, they're after the show, cool as hell. When you come to Atlanta, oddly enough, this other weekend, this couple came up. I'm here for my birthday from Atlanta. Then I met another group of people here from uh, Baltimore. Atlanta? No. Okay. Yeah. You know, so everywhere it was all Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, it was so many people you meet weren't from. That's another another group of people were there with their daughter who's looking at college. She was looking at DePaul. Of course. You know, like, yeah, of course. People like that are just visiting. They want to do shit while they're fucking here. So it's yeah. like you have all these people. There's no reason these clubs can't exist. You and know there's no I mean? reason there's they no should reason. even compete. They should even look at them as com- – I don't think any club should look at each other as competition. Of course not. 
No, I don't There's think no that, I don't to. think that it's competition at all. I this think isn't fucking 1945. I'm competing with Netflix. You know what I'm saying? I'm competing with what keeps people home. You know, I'm not keeping with what that's, keeps people that's out. smart, man. You that's exactly so true. Like, yeah. So I need to provide content that is the same of whatever Netflix is doing to make people come out to my shows. That's the one thing about YouTube, though, that I like. It does hurt you a little bit because people will watch a stand-up clip on YouTube or on Netflix even at eleven o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in their boxers. I mean, a big bowl of Fruit Loops. I'll watch some. I'll watch some stand-up. It'll you know during the day, and they'll they'll look. They'll watch it, kind of looking to judge it. But a there's bit. never, there's never going to be any. It doesn't matter if you fucking listen to an. Okay, maybe with an album it's a little different, but like no matter who the fuck you are seeing in stand up, they're going to be better live. No, 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 shit. That's that's what of I'm getting course. at. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Of course, I'm not even knocking that guy for watching it in that way. I just want people to be aware of the fact. I'm speaking right now to the people who aren't in comedy, who are like. I remember about a month and a half ago, Ed Towns has been in the podcast a few times. He made a post where it's like, I don't know why everyone hates on. Crystalia and people were commenting going, well, so this is us. And I, I commented going, just know this. If you were to see him live, you'd be like, holy shit, this guy's a and, beast. And I feel he that same way. He destroys lives. Does he I, transfer over to video as well? Maybe not. We're going to talk about Joey Diaz again. Joey yeah. Diaz does not transfer over to video. And I fucking love this guy. Yeah. Seeing him live, there's nobody like him. My point about that was because you were saying you compete with, you, I got to think about how do I get people out of there. I would love and I've thought about this for a long time because as someone who, you know, a lot of comedians are fucking losers in high school. They hated fucking all this shit. I wasn't, I really wasn't. And we've heard the stories. Yeah, we have. I was fucking the shit guys, but no, I think about how you peaked early. No, I did. No, I did. I, I, too, you heard peaked in high school. I peaked in grade school. man. I was a six foot 14 year old, man. So I think about just this all though. dick. Oh man. I, was just, I would walk with my cock in the way. I, I think about how the average person, what, is the, what do they think? The average person on Friday night goes, oh, what do you want to do? I'm going to go out and watch the game? I'm going to go see a movie? Yeah. yeah. The average person does not think comedy club. Right. I would, that's my dream. Right. And I'm not working towards it at all because I'm working towards being the best comedian I could be. Mm -hmm. But in a perfect world, the average person would be like, let's go see stand-up. Right. They would look at stand-up the same way they'd look at seeing a band at their local bar or at a, or a concert, yeah. and the same way they'd see going out to a bar to watch of a sports course. game. I'm talking about your average thing, because obviously going to a Bears game or a Cubs game, that's a major event. You know about that. Hey, we're doing this two weeks from now, all that. And if obviously a big name like Bill Burr or Sebastian Mescalco is coming to Chicago Theater, right. you're thinking about that way in advance. Of course. I'm talking about your regular Friday night. I just got home from work at 545. I'm going to kick my shoes off, take now, a shower, jerk off, eat some hamburger helper. What am I doing at 10 o'clock? Now, what me and Curtis did was make sure that we provided the best show fucking possible. Yes. Okay, so like we're gonna put up the best fucking comedians possible because if you come out to this and you're fucking not at the movies, you're not at Netflix, you're not doing whatever the fuck you're gonna do and you're watching this show, then you're like, oh fuck, okay, this was awesome. Let, yeah. me, let me fucking see this again. So it's the same thing with any club. You just have to fucking provide yeah, the, best, you should know, dude. the best, best experience people. possible for everybody. Yeah. It's the same idea that you took away the fucking stools. You're providing the best experience possible for the guest. That's all the way across the board. The moment they fucking walk in your door, even before they walk in your door, you want to make sure that your fucking outside is clean. You know, you want to make sure that everything looks good. So the moment, the moment they walk in your door, everything that they experience, they want to come back to you. Whether it's fucking keeping the fucking room at 68 degrees, whether it's fucking making sure the music is great. It's all the stupid little shit. The things that you talked about before, all those little things add up to making the best experience possible. Yeah. And that's, you know, in 
I, I'm very, very lucky because I just transferred to a new club, right? I worked at this old club. I pretty much hired everybody that I worked with, right? Everybody at that club, I, I pretty much hired. I think there's maybe like two to three people out of like the 27, 28 person staff that had worked there before me that I didn't hire, right? So, you know, you're talking 90% of the people. Now I'm going to this new place that already has everybody in place. I've been very fucking lucky because everybody's been cool as fuck. That's and, good, and that's that's something that I, don't I know, know those people. They are cool, but it's not a lot of. But not, take away that, take but that away. That's not, that's, hard. You, that's not what you find in a lot of jobs. No, you know, not. especially me. I'm coming in as a fucking GM, and they're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" It's like you ever you have you ever you have you have a dog. I do. You ever yeah. dropped your dog after like a doggy daycare place or like and you're you know, fucking worried the whole time? You're like, what worried. the fuck? Like, okay, how are they? And when that, treat when my your dog? dog gets, they open up the fence and your dog gets to go in with those forty yeah. other dogs. They all sniff your dog's ass. Is my dog gonna get bit? You know, yeah, like so they were all things. they were all sniffing your ass. And they like what they smell. All right, but yeah, and your like, ass smells great, man. I've, I've been very lucky. Like I have, I have three people like Anna, Rachel, and Katie that I work with in the office. They're all fucking awesome. You know? And yeah, like, no, that's a good crew. I like them. And I, I really like. Bert. I don't really know Anna. I know Rachel. And oh no, and I know her. Yeah, I know them all. I, I like Bert too because like I the thing about Bert is he's been in this business since 1980. He's been at the Zane at Zany since 1980. He's seen right? it all. Bert's he's seen, it, seen all. it all. And so like I get I get to just pick this dude's brain that's been around for fucking ever. And me as a fucking fan, it's a masterclass. Like, as like a business person, like I get to just learn. And that's that's also something that drew me to it. So like after talking to Joey Diaz and like him telling me like this is what you should do. I'm like, really, you know, the first few days I was like, maybe I made a mistake. Like, I'm like, this is just like a different vibe, you know, because it's just the first like, day of college. Shit. Like I miss any, high school. Right. It's anything that you transition yeah. to. You're like, okay, maybe this isn't the right move, but on the real, like it, I really like it so far. And that's, it's a good thing because it makes me give a fuck way more, you know? And like, I already care. So like to me to care at that next level, I know that like what you see from Zanies right now, as far as far as like what it is and where we're at, give it a year. I'm telling you, like, and that's me being me being competitive and me being like. I don't even know. Myself. Yeah, like, I mean, I I believe I believe that for sure. I don't even think you need a year. I mean, I mean, I don't know what your goal is a year from now. I think the club's already great, and with it you, is great with you there. I think Absolutely. it's only going to get better. You know right. what I mean? I just don't. I want to make my idea is what's to, your ultimate goal with it though? Because it, it's I want to me, make, I want to make the brand great. Okay. And so, like the the idea, the brand is cool. Don't get me wrong, but like I want to make the fucking brand great. I want everybody to be like, comedy store, comedy seller, zanies. Not see, that's what I fucking wanted to hear. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's what that's, I wanted to hear. That's that's the idea. That's fucking dope. I want I want everybody to like when they leave zanies and like, they're like, oh, this is like. You know, they go back to New York or LA. Yeah, or that's They're a great like, call, man. Oh man, like this is the fucking club, dude. So like, like, like they talk about Madison what... and stuff like that. So yeah, so two, two, three weeks ago, someone asked me, "What do you think of Zanies?" I'm like, "Zanies is great. It's great. Right. I love it. I have a good time there." But would you name it in the top five clubs of the country? Um, I I don't know. I mean, you just had to say I don't know. That is enough for me, right? Yeah, yeah. So it yeah, should be an true. immediate yes. Well, I was just was thinking. It but sure, but that's what I'm saying. It, you shouldn't have to think. That's that's I, my that's my yeah. fucking goal for it is to be like oh this is what is going on like I look at I look at I, I look, at, I look at Adam Egget right Adam Egget runs the comedy yeah show. I love it I look at what he did this guy came from the Tempe Improv okay he's an inspiration to me he came from the Tempe Improv he took over a club and like not Zanies is not dying by any means but the fucking comedy store was dead okay it was I, I was dead. around the it Tommy's was, last eight months it was I was around for that how, de- it, how dead was it yeah it wasn't what it became. 
at all. No. Not even close, right? So Adam took this over and he made something great and that is my goal. You know, like and I wanna take I wanna take it so like if I fucking leave and if I'm not there anymore, everybody still talks about it because that is the brand of what it is. Yeah. Right. And whatever whatever I do down the road, like Joey Joey Diaz brought up a good point to me of what I could do in the future and one of the things that he that is like sparked something in my brain is the idea of being a consultant for comedy clubs like I can go around to whatever fucking club and be like this is what you guys are doing wrong this is what you should do and this is how we can make it happen yeah I like that man and me too and that's that's where I see it going in the future you know I, I don't know like I believe in myself though and I believe oh, you know it's that's dope. a job that doesn't exist but you and know I love talking to course. people who create a job on their own of that course. doesn't that job didn't I, exist I eventually until you I don't want I don't want to fucking work for somebody my whole yeah, life man. you know what I'm saying like I want to have my own shit well, especially someone who's in the military who knows how much it sucks taking orders of course <laughs> but I I'm very lucky to go into a job where I have Anna Rachel and Katie these people that are my core where I'm like hey let's do this this and this and they're understanding and they see the vision and they're cool with it you know like they could have immediately fought against me because I'm new into this. Yeah, totally. But I'm I'm literally, you're talking to me. I'm one week in. Today is one week since I started. Yeah. Okay? And already I feel comfortable. And that shouldn't happen, right? I mean. I feel comfortable and I feel confident. That's both. a testament to them in a lot of ways because the fact that you're one week in. Most people, when they take a new job, they're like, oh, it's weekend. You know, I'm excited for the opportunity. Fuck I'm it. seeing where like, it's going to yeah, go. Like, let me just... But you're already, like, I can tell because you're getting more amped as you're speaking about certain things. It's I like, worked, I this I worked, this I worked 70 hours my first week. Did it feel like 70 hours? Of course. But, like, it's uh, it's 70 hours of, like, shit I like. Well, that's what I meant. Why doesn't like, feel like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 70 hours of stuff you like doesn't always feel it's like 70 it's 70 hours. hours because i know like how much i have to do and how much i have to adjust ah, and like learn right. everything like it's a whole different system than what i've done and before. while we were talking anything that i was trying to dissect i was just trying to like you know you gotta extrapolate all the information with this yeah. shit i like to it's fucking do that no yeah man, it's a decent word but every now and then i'll have a conversation with someone and i'll bring something up they go no no and i'm like hey dickhead i fucking know i'm bringing this up for people listening right. i'm not saying you were doing that at any point at all but that's why I had to bring up the idea of like, hey, you're new to a club. Do you like the current model? You don't. Yeah. If you were new to a restaurant, I'd be like, you're going to change the menu? I keep going back to restaurants. I am, okay. am going to change the menu. Like, and that, that will happen, but that takes time. We're talking course. about the food menu or like stylistically? Um, what do you think? No, just what they have on their menu. Like, uh, there's a lot of things. You okay, know, yeah. Whatever, not to get too inside. If you want to name a, a whiskey drink after me, that'd be great. That'd be great. You know, the, like something like that. All right, dude. The Brian, man. gallons, gallon. It'll come in a gallon. That was an idea I had a long time ago. Did yeah. I tell you that? No. No, I wanted to open up a bar and instead of serving beer by the pitcher, we'd serve it beer by the gallon. It was called the Kill Gallon Gallon. Try that. It'd be like a little marketing. Plan. Everybody Kill needs gallon, a gallon, gallon of beer. Why not? I don't yeah. know how much more a gallon is than a regular pitcher, but so probably, a gallon. I believe I'm could be wrong, but I believe it's 128 ounces. That sounds about I right. I believe a normal beer is 12. Well, definitely normal. Uh, a bottle of beer is 12. A pint is 16. Right. I don't know what a pitcher is because you know people would order. Hey, we'll get a pitcher of beer. Right. Yeah. And, I think you know, a, bitch, four a pitcher glasses. is five beers. Really? Total. So you get four glasses, and that last one you top everyone else off yeah. with. What? A, people just like the idea of a pitcher because it's big. I think it's. If you would a gallon, I mean, you're putting a gallon ounces. on someone's table. Yeah. So that's what I want to go for. I, I it's weird. As much as I lo- I I worked in a bar for a while, and then it made me go. I don't want to own a bar because there's a I lot. I worked of in a restaurant for a while, and I'm like, I don't want to own a restaurant. Yeah. And I work in comedy clubs. And every now and then, I think, ooh, I'll do it this way or that way, or I'd want to bring that element to this. And this is why I think everybody should travel. Let's end the podcast on this. Everyone listening, try to do as much travel as possible because you will take 
like you'll get inspiration from different places. I've been to thirty countries. Wow. Yeah. So, and how I've many of those I, were you bombing? No, I'm fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been all over the world, man. Like know, bomb, bombing could have meant something different in the military. No, I, I know. I was <laughs> fucking around. But, um, dude, yeah, that's what I mean. But you, the more well-traveled you are, the more, like, whenever I go to a new city, I think, I wish Chicago had that. Yeah. And then I also think this city needs to go to Chicago and see how much better we I, do things. To me, to me, like, Chicago is the best city I've ever been to. Like, and I've been, I hear that. I've been all over the world, man. Like, I I, I've been to four continents. I've been literally all over. And there's a few things LA does that I wish Chicago had. Sure, but like at the, end of, at the end of the had. day, you're here. No, yeah. I mean, sometimes I think if I wasn't born here, would I be that addicted to it? And I think probably. Yeah, I do. I, think I wasn't born here. Dream. I moved here ten years ago, man. Chicago and, like, and Montreal are the only two cities I've known. I've and it's funny because it's funny because Montreal has a big comedy connection. Yeah. But even before any of that, I've met random people. I remember being in, I can't remember the fuck I was. I was in like Miami maybe, and someone's like, are you from Chicago? And they were foreign. They had like European accents. They're like, greatest city in the world. Yeah. And they would stop and go, they were Montreal. And these were like Europeans. You know I like, I mean? I've met people from all around the world, and whenever they go, Chicago's the best city in the world. Because I meet people, they go, you just say Chicago's the best because you're from there. I go, I meet people who are nowhere near Chicago, and they think it's the best city in the world. I'm not just... Saying this because it's my fucking town. My second is Amsterdam. I've been there like five times. I know a lot of people think Amsterdam is amazing too. I love Amsterdam. I met a guy from Amsterdam and he couldn't say his own city, obviously, but he said Chicago, Montreal. Yeah. One of the guys was from Amsterdam. The other guy, I think, was Italian. I think he was, but he's from like Northern. I love, I lived in New York City for a long time. I like, I love Chicago, man. Like, I like New York a lot. I I like Chicago. I do too, but like, it, it doesn't have what New York has in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. There's, there definitely has a good combination of all things. All right, Brian Morton, we know. I'm sorry um, to take up all your time. I no, dude, I was rambling. I took way too much time no, up front to get to where we wanted to. As we as we got into it, I remember thinking I should I feel like we talked for five hours. You know, be a, well, you know what I like to do on the podcast? I like to open up with some random silly shit. Yeah, because ba- Batman. Batman right. and throwing corn at people. When you walk in to see a friend at a bar, right. you don't just sit there going, here's the most important thing that's happening right now. Right. No, you go, hey, what the fuck's going on here? And then you go, oh, all right, by the way. So I took the new job. Oh, yeah, shit, that's right. All right. Let me hear about the new job. Yeah. That's how that works. So that's what I thought. But we went we went 45 to fucking an hour about stupid shit before we got to this. So hopefully I'll put a little note in the, the description saying, hey, everyone, this is very comedy heavy. But if you're not into comedy, flash forward to this part. Because I, I, think, I think people do like comedy, though, because no, I think they, it gives they them listen, an inside look, man. That's like, my point. Yeah. But I was going to say this. if I want people, when you start talking about your path, I want people to listen to that because I want people who aren't into comedy but are thinking, oh, I want to do this. Right. Don't be afraid to fucking hold the door open for people for a fucking little while. Yeah. Don't be afraid to fucking send messages you know the, to you people know best, you like who don't know you. You know the best part about holding the door open? You meet everybody. Yes. I met everybody. There I you go. I literally met everybody. Everybody fucking that came through that door, they knew me and I knew them. And that is what matters because if you're fucking – even if you're managing, right, if you're a night manager – you could be doing some other shit and some comic could walk in. You're not going to meet him. I met everybody at that fucking door. Every fucking person that walked. It doesn't matter if they fucking were a patron or a fucking comic or even worked there. I met them all because they all had to come through that door and they all start, They all talked to me first. I was the first face that they met. So sure, yeah, I started at a door. Bullshit job. I knew it was a bullshit job. I took it as a bullshit job. But I also knew that like... I'm going to meet every fucking person that walks through that door and I'm going to shake everybody's fucking hand. They're all going to know me after. And that's why Brian Morton succeeds everybody right there, man. That's the fucking, that's the healthy mindset to have. I'm glad you you were closing it out on that note. Everyone who listened to that, take the value out of that. Take that shit to heart. If you're unhappy with what you're doing, 
Go for it. Don't be afraid to hold the door open for anyone because as you heard Brian say, they're going to know you. Dude, thanks for being on the fucking podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been Killgallon's Pub, everybody. Subscribe to the YouTube. You guys have been great. Thank you for listening. For James Webb, for People of Comedy Network, cheers. Ugh.